Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Time now for the Character and Smallman podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Carriker and Smallman, 101 ESPN. Happy Thursday at 7.01. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And, Michelle, we're on the back end of the week. Yes, we are. Friday Eve. Friday Eve. Welcome to Friday Eve, everybody. Somebody on the text line figured that out last week, and we thank you for your interest in your participation in the program. We also got a lot of Thirsty Thursdays because we were trying to mm-hmm. give Thursday a great name, but... I just don't know if either of those is it. Okay. There has to be a better option. So, Michelle, when we wake up, we're pretty tired, okay? So tired. We are. Uh, so, last night, Joan made a half-birthday cake for Patrick, and nice. it had banana slices on it. And she said, I got the rest of this banana. You want me to throw it in the freeze- freezer for a smoothie? And I said, yeah, sure. As a matter of fact, I'll just make a smoothie tomorrow morning for breakfast. You don't have to get up. She she usually make, gets up makes me an egg. She's wonderful. She's the best. Hopefully, she's sleeping in. <laughs> And I said, don't get up. Just uh, uh, leave the thing in the freezer, and I will make a smoothie. Okay. I get up this morning, and I start making the smoothie. And I put, like, uh, protein powder and flaxseed oil and everything in the cup. Because you're on a health journey. I am. I get my teaspoon of flaxseed oil, and rather than putting it in the cup, I put it in the little motorized compartment. Oh, no, Randy. Yeah. So it went everywhere. <laughs> I said, you're an idiot, Randy. Yeah. So I have to go grab a couple of paper towels, and I have to clean that whole thing out. And I'm sure that people tuning in, 6578 or their comfort service text line, you've done things like this before, especially when you just get up. But I felt like such an idiot. I was going to get in here so early and get so much work done. And it probably took me seven, eight minutes to clean that thing out just because I have flaxseed oil all over the place. And those seven, eight minutes are so critical. They're, they're critical, yeah. I, I tell people this time, in the morning, when you're getting up when there's no sunlight and it's pitch black, and especially if it's freezing, what in an average morning is like, 20 minutes would be like two minutes in Mm -hmm. the morning it it, two minutes feels like 20 right because you're moving so slowly and you're also trying to hustle to get to where you need to go quickly but you're doing so in the cloak of darkness and for me this is a morning where i'm actually doing the work normally i get up and there's no work i come down there's an egg at the table so i'm actually having to make the thing and i screw it up myself and that's the worst is when you're mad at yourself right you wake up in the morning, you come downstairs, and there's an egg at the table. Yeah. You are a lucky guy. I am a super lucky guy, yeah. What so, a life, Randy. And then my, yeah, then the dogs come over, and they want a little piece of egg, too. And uh, I'm So it's a great to... morning for everybody. Exactly, yeah. Pretty much every morning, except the dogs didn't come down for a little bit of smoothie today, which, by the way, was... Is it turns out delicious. Okay, great. Well, I'm glad you were able to get your smoothie and hopefully in your Stanley Cup Champions cup here. Yeah, my uh, Stanley Cup Champions uh, Tervis. It's, I love it. It's I love great. it. Well, I hope that that propels you throughout the day, your smoothie, and I hope that we can have a better show than you did morning. Yeah, no doubt. Me I hope too. It's not foreshadowing <laughs> as to how the show is yeah. going to go today. The Blues will travel to Seattle today. They'll take on Seattle, their first trip ever to Seattle tomorrow as they take on the Kraken. And the Blues getting everybody back. Braden Shen playing better, had a big game the other night. Ryan O'Reilly is getting back in the groove. He apparently was more affected by COVID than most players. And Coach Barubi, Chief, talked yesterday about the fact that those two guys are, are playing better. 
for the Blues as, as they get ready for this game. It's really important to have your best players playing as well as they can play. Well, Shen's been hurt, so I mean, it's tough for you know him. I think he's tried to come back a couple times and um, you know re-injured himself. So <clears throat> you know, we all love how tough he is, and he wants to play. He's a great team guy, and uh, but in the end, it's hard to play when you're not healthy. So I think he's healthy now. Uh, you're going to see a different player like he did last game. And like I said before with O'Reilly, I, I know I move guys around and try to get some different looks for him, which in the end work but in the end he's a we all know he's a great player and eventually it's going to come around where he's going to produce for us shenner uh, according to jamie rivers with a broken rib and a torn oblique Ooh, painful think about how long jack flaherty was out with a pulled oblique and yet Braden Shen's wanting to play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hockey players are a different breed. Different animals all together. And so it's well, good to have those guys back. Also, the motion when you're pitching, obviously, affect, right. affects those muscles differently. But hockey players just want to play anytime that they can. Not that other athletes don't, but I just feel like hockey players, the mechanics of their game are more or less like I can actually go out there. I might not be 100% and have the range of motion or the power that I need, but I can still actually go out there and compete on some level, whereas obviously baseball players and other athletes are different. But if we're going to see the Braden Shen that we saw on Monday, now that he's healthy, watch out. And Michelle, we kind of just take for granted. These guys get on the ice and they feel fine. How about a guy like Oscar Sundquist coming back from a torn ACL? And it hasn't been a calendar year yet since he tore the ACL. And he's another guy that's starting to come back. And even without him early in the season and so many players during the season, He's proud of the way the Blues have performed. I mean, that, I mean, obviously, it feels like we, we know that we had had a good depth in, in this organization and and coming into training camp and a few guys being being on the line to to staying and stuff like that. And I mean, it feels like they those guys going down and coming back up when we had COVID problems and injuries. It's like they haven't missed anything. They just kept doing what they were doing during training camp and just kept going and. I mean, the, the shows shows our depth and how, how successful we are in in our system and and, uh, and and with the players we have here in this this organization. Depth is one thing, but you also have to extract the best out of each player, and that's where Craig Burby and this coaching staff have done a magnificent job with so many guys out and and Chief being able to mix and match the lines and do what he needs to do, as he says, to get certain players different looks and get the best out of them. We need to have some sort of countdown or a daily reminder that that Chief doesn't have a contract. <laughs> yeah, true, good <laughs> like, point. Like it's you know it's eight oh three in St. Louis. That time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. Why doesn't Craig Berube have a contract? <laughs> the just, clock is ticking. Yes, the clock is ticking. <laughs> we just need to have some sort of reminder every day that he's not a guarantee for the future. You certainly hope that he is because what he's been able to do with this team, despite many different circumstances, has really been remarkable. And Michelle. Everybody's got depth. Literally every team in sports has depth. Some teams, though, when depth is needed, they have to turn to Carlos Martinez and John Gant and Johan Oviedo. Sometimes depth is just bodies. Exactly. (laughs) The Blues have quality depth. There is a difference, and the Blues' depth has actually been productive for them. Yeah, we're talking about a goalie controversy, and behind Billy Huso is a guy in Charlie Lindgren, Chucky Sideburns, who you can also make a case for. So we're talking about depth that spurs controversy because that depth actually has talent and has been performing when called upon. That's the perfect example. Your number 
number three goalie is number one, who's playing in the AHL is number one in the NHL in goals against and save percentage. That's a good problem to have. <laughs> it is. Football, Derek Henry, who hasn't played since breaking his foot in week eight, endured contact while going through drills during the individual portion of yesterday's practice for the Titans. I feel good. I mean, I have a big steel plate on my foot. That's only different from the, from the left foot to the right, but I mean, I, I feel good. Just, you know, I haven't did anything like two and a half months. So, you know, just getting back out there, getting acclimated to everything and, you know, get back to being me. You have to be scared if you're the Cincinnati Bengals. But at the same time, like he says, he hasn't done anything for two and a half months and he still has a steel plate in his foot. Crazy. I'm, I don't know why more people aren't talking about them and talking about this. They're scary. They are so and scary. By the way, we we focus in on, and I've never seen a number one seed that's talked about as little as the Tennessee Titans are. But it's not just him. A.J. Brown is healthy now. And A.J. Brown is like the Derrick Henry of wide receivers. Mm-hmm. If Tannehill just gets the ball into his hands, he is going to run over people. And their defense was the number one scoring defense in the league in the second half of the season. We are going to do uh, or have a conversation later in the show about our quarterback freakout factor, ranking the quarterbacks that are in the playoffs and how much trust we have in them, or maybe the confidence we have in them to freak out when the moment when the moment is pressurized. And I had a difficult time placing Ryan Tannehill because the numbers bear out one thing, but then I was thinking, what is he actually going to be required to do? Mm -hmm. And if I'm Ryan Tannehill and I have these weapons around me, King Henry is back, I'm not going to freak out at all. All I have to do is give him the rock. What's going to be required of Ryan Tannehill is far less than what's going to be required of some of these other quarterbacks. Therefore, I didn't know how to place him in the freakout factor because he might be the most confident quarterback heading into this weekend yeah if if he does have uh henry who's sure he hasn't played in two months but he's also rested and he's also derrick henry right yeah and then you have brown and you have julio jones who yeah. played in their last game and their offensive line is playing well even though they don't have lewin You're exactly right that ryan Tannehill might have to do nothing this weekend right. he, he might be mac jones in buffalo well i think mac jones things were supposed to be required of him. That's a difference. <laughs> Ryan true. Tannehill just has to hand the ball off. Mac Jones, I think, yeah. was su- supposed to do more. So as they get players back in Tennessee, boy, there are problems in both San Francisco and in Tampa, which doesn't bode well for us. Jimmy Garoppolo expected to play through pain against the Packers. He's got a torn ligament in his right thumb and a sprained shoulder. He was a full participant in practice yesterday. But that's one of the things, Michelle, that we didn't focus on on Sunday against the Cowboys is the pain and the injuries that Jimmy Garoppolo is dealing with. Yeah, I wonder how severe the shoulder is, if that's going to be something that's going to affect him um, in one way, shape, or form, because the thumb has been there for the past few weeks, and Mm. he's been playing through it and executing. So that's not something that is necessarily going to wave my antennas or, or make me think differently of Jimmy or his chances in this game because we've heard him talk about it, that it's been there, it's been bothering him, and he's playing through it. Now the shoulder could be something different. And for Tampa Bay, they're already missing Chris Godwin. They already lost Antonio Brown to his activities. Now the offensive line is starting to be affected. Their center, Ryan Jensen, didn't practice yesterday. Tristan Wirfs, the right tackle. He'll be a game-time decision. And with the pressure that the Rams can put on, Tom Brady's going to have to get the ball out of there in a hurry. Do you think Aaron Donald, when he lays in bed at night and he pulls the sheets up and he's going, drifting off to sleep, that he's drifting off with a smile on his face? Yeah, he is Because right he just now. has visions of a depleted O-line dancing in his head. 
and with visions of him having the perfect t- pathway to Tom Brady. He is spectacular against the best players in the game. What's he going to do against backups? You could double, triple team him with backups, and he might not be able to be stopped. Yeah. As a matter of fact, this morning on uh, KJ and Max, uh, they were talking about his win rate against double teams. Aaron Donald's win rate against double teams is he has more wins against double teams than any other two players combined in the NFL this season. That doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, how many times if you've turned on a Rams game and you see Aaron Donald in action, are there four hands on him at right. all times? Yeah. It literally requires four hands to try to stop him, and he still breaks through. And, Michelle, one other note, the NFL finding themselves in court again. They filed a motion asking a Nevada court to dismiss former Raiders coach John Gruden's lawsuit against the league, saying accusations that the NFL leaked Gruden's emails are baseless and should be dismissed for failure to state a singular viable cause of action. It was a similar motion about four years ago that was denied, and the NFL wound up paying $790 million here in St. Louis. They're really good at saying that every accusation against them is baseless. Yeah, I would say so. That's pretty much their MO. But what what are your thoughts on Gruden suing them? I'm glad he's doing it, but I don't think he has a case. Why are you glad he's doing it? Because part of me is like, they didn't write those words. You wrote the words. I know that you want to try to point the finger as to why this went down and why this was exposed. But at the end of the day, you got your money. You're the one that said these things. Shouldn't you just accept responsibility and move on? But the league selectively leaked only one item from a 650,000-page investigation. And it was because he called Roger Goodell a moron. That should be his argument. And we haven't seen any other pages from this investigation. We don't know who else wrote incendiary things about the league. And so I think from that standpoint, I'm glad. I don't think he'll win the case, but I'm glad that he's at least trying to tweak him a little bit and make him look bad because they do look really bad when... He, he took the shot at Goodell in the email, and then he's the one whose career is ended. I would love for all of those emails to be released. That would be wonderful. We've been talking about that for months. Mm-hmm. That would be the, the ideal outcome here, is whatever happens is that they're forced to release all of the emails that were part of the investigation. Because... I, you can't tell me that there's not more in there on Daniel yeah. Snyder. You were gonna, you find him millions of dollars because clearly there was inappropriate things happening within the organization, but yet we don't see the email evidence behind it. That's a little sus to me, Randy. Me too. And so I, I'm glad that he tweaks them and that they have to go back to court and hire some more of their bad thousand dollar an hour lawyers. And by the way, we we we've heard that before, haven't we? Confirmed. <laughs> And basketball tonight, SLU is at UMass. That game on ESPN+. Plus. Michelle's Illini at Maryland tomorrow night, and that will be an FS1 game. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, sick of it. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Sick of it next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I'm over it, Sharon. I can't take this no more. I am done. I am sick of it. Do you hear me? Sick of it. I can't take it anymore. These people are the worst. Character and Smallman are sick of it. Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Michelle. After enduring the last 11 seasons of St. Louis Rams football without a playoff appearance, 
I'm sick of seeing the Los Angeles Rams in the playoffs. Five out of six years. But they're inevitably going to lose before the Super Bowl, which will bring you at least a modicum of joy. Oh, yeah. I, I will enjoy that part of it if inevitably they do. They're, I'm kind of scared. I'm kind of scared, too. They look, they look. Now, I keep going back to this, Randy. Did they look really good or did the Cardinals inefficiency inefficiency and at points ineptitude make them look way better than they are the cardinals were abysmal they were so bad they look scared to death but here's the thing the rams have so many good players that they can go beat anybody they and the thing that bothers me is you know we talk about them going up and i know that that uh, matthew stafford doesn't have the best record at lambeau field nobody's got a great record at lambeau field except for aaron Rodgers. right but now they've got guys that have played in the cold. Cup played in the cold in college, grew up in cold weather. Odell Beckham played in New York and Cleveland. Uh, Cam Akers has played well in Green Bay before. So they've just got things that, and obviously the defense travels, and Aaron Donald, We doesn't matter where he plays. He's from Pittsburgh. Yeah, that's right. So Von Miller played in Denver. There's a lot of things that scare me about that team. And I'm just tired of seeing him in the playoffs, sick of it. I don't blame you, sick of it too. But we just have to to think that the greatest of all time is who they're gonna have to get through. Yeah. Yes, there are injuries. Yes, they're missing important pieces, but it is still the GOAT who finds a way to win when he shouldn't. Hope so. And but the other and thing is what happens if San Francisco goes to Green Bay wins and the rematch happens at SoFi between the Rams and the Niners. Well, it'd be nice for San Francisco to have a home game. Do it again, yeah. You know, they will. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Mine's simple, Randy. I'm sick of these these temps. I'm sick of this weather. Let's give you the latest. I am so sick of waking up in the morning and having it be so dark and so cold. Michelle, traffic and weather together here on the uh, twos. So let's make it on the threes okay. On, okay. on 101 ESPN. It is seven degrees in St. Louis. And seven. As we go up in the uh, 101 ESPN jet copter, we look out at Olive East and Westbound. Just one truck in front of the in the building. Let's get the heli- helicopter up in the air. 270 north and southbound, east and westbound. You're going to have a little traffic as you get to New Halls Ferry or Tesson Ferry. So uh, just be careful. North, South County, 270, 55, east and west, 45 or 44, east and west. And uh, I'm Captain Randy Carricker from 101 ESPN. Jet copter 2. People don't realize all the skills that you have. I can, can fly a copter. You can talk sports. You can get in and out of the copter in a matter of seconds. Traffic really and weather together on the threes here at 101 ESPN. Really impressive, Randy. Thank you very much. Very impressive. Um, but, yeah, I'm sick of it. <laughs> I want sunshine. I want warmth. Yeah. I am going to be a snowbird for sure. The older I get, every with every passing year, I'm like, this is the pits. Why do I live here? What's going on? I love it here. I'm never leaving. But... You know, you go other places, and there's there's beaches and oceans, and on a bad day, it's in the low 70s. So I mean, you, what are we thinking here? Do you here? have other cities in your phone, other cities' temperatures in your phone? Yes, of course. So here's what I've got. I've got Jupiter, 61 degrees right now. I've got Scottsdale, 45, but it's going to be warm okay. today. I've got New York, and it's only 37 there. I've got San Francisco, and it's 46. I've got Minneapolis, it's minus 11, so it could be worse. I've got Green Bay, where it's zero. So it could be worse. That you got Chicago worse. where it's nine. But more than half of my other cities are warm cities. So I'm like you. I'm I'm headed towards toward uh snowboard or snowbird realm. 
What, what cities do you have? I was just looking. So it's seven degrees in St. Louis. Shout out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have New York City on there. It's 37 degrees and and raining. But there is a big exclamation point winter weather advisory coming to oh, New York. Oh, hate that. Um, my favorite place that I've ever been is Verona, Italy, is mm-hmm. where I lived in college. And it's 42 degrees and foggy in Verona. Will it, so it's there's six hours after us, right? Seven, eight, no, nine? No, ahead. It's yeah, so 2.24 p.m. 2.24 p.m. So they're probably at their high for the day. Probably, yes. Okay. And uh, I have Cape Town, South Africa in there, 77 degrees and sunny hmm. with a high of 79. And see, there, there are some other spots. By the way, uh, the 1 o'clock tea time this afternoon in Scottsdale, 68 degrees. Oh, perfect. Yeah. But see, the problem there is is right now it's amazing give it a month and then it's hotter than the surface of the sun give me hotter than the surface of the sun over 18 degrees in a month you know what i'm with you i'll take it yep i'll take it text six five seven eight oh okay sick of it i'm sick of the god praise for the quarterback who cheated his way to super bowl wins are we talking about tom brady i think that the 636 is in fact referencing referencing tb12 here's the thing after Spygate, it's kind of like the guys who uh, use steroids before the rules in baseball. After Spygate, you got to give him credit for the last three. He literally went a decade without winning a Super Bowl, and then something clicked, figured it out. And then last year, the one in Tampa, that's the one where you really have to give him credit. The, the, the guy that you have to take away the, the curtain, the Wizard of Oz curtain from, is the guy who's under 500 without Brady. Which is we all Bill know. Belichick. I know we know. So nine I, nine other years in the NFL, two of those in the playoffs. His nine year record, not without Tom Brady. So to, without Tom Brady, one and two in the playoffs, and uh, two playoff appearances in nine years, and a losing record. Jason Garrett had a winning record, more playoff appearances than Bill Belichick without Tom Brady as his quarterback. Jason Garrett did. Yeah, Jason Garrett. But here's the thing. This is the way I look at it. The enemy, the enemy of our enemy is our friend. Okay, Tom Brady stopped the Rams from winning a Super Bowl after mm-hmm. they left St. Louis. Yes, that and, was good. And he's going to stop them from advancing in the playoffs oh. again. So I know you don't want us to talk, you know, glowingly about TB12 no. because you have you have negative feelings. But he's our friend now. Michelle, I'm on the bandwagon now. I'm, I'm, I'm talking just, to I'm, the texter. I, 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 okay, yeah. I, I'm giving all the credit to Brady for these last four that he's won. All the credit. All of it. Is it hard for you to do that? Well, it, it's it's easy because I take all the credit away from Belichick. So so you're deflecting from your you're you're still angry yeah. and mad at someone, yeah, which is good. Right. Okay. From the sorry, I want to get to this one. From the three one four. I'm sick of still waiting for the XFL to return. Kaka. Kaka. Me too. Yeah, come on, Rock. What are you doing? Make the announcement. Here, a couple of weeks, I guess. He, he, was, sh- he should have done it on the Manning cast, though. That would have been a perfect been fantastic. time. Yeah. I know they want to drum up all their own publicity, but he should have been like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Hey, St. Louis, big news coming soon. Yeah, I'm sure that the NFL would love that during an NFL playoff <laughs> broadcast saying, yeah, we're going back to our best football city. <laughs> wow. <laughs> What does, he, what does he care? He's not in partnership with the NFL. Exactly. Actually, that would have been a boss move to go on their property and their yeah. most most important show and say, guess what? A competing football league owned and run by me is coming back. I wonder, though, if they're going to have their games on ESPN. 
because Fox is with the USFL, and I don't know if the USFL will be around next year, but I wonder how much appetite nationally there's going to be for spring football. Well, we know there'll be some in St. Louis. Especially if there's two leagues. Yeah, we, there will be here in St. Louis, no doubt. From the 314, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of Jerry Jones's refusal to just own the team. Let the football people do football things. P.S. I'm a Cowboys fan. Yes, oh, we get okay, that. I get it. If you're a Cowboy fan. We kind of like it here. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but yes, if you're a Cowboys fan, as this person from the 314 is, you would be very sick of it. Yeah. No. But I don't think, I'm sorry, 314, I don't think you're going to get your wish. That ain't happening. No. Well, it'll happen soon enough, but as long as he's alive, it's not happening. From the 314, I'm sick of the Coach B hate from Randy. Phil Jackson doesn't have 11 rings without Kobe or Jordan. Well, let's look at Phil Jackson's record then. He had Kobe and Jordan for his career, and he he won. The one thing is, we can take Tom Brady away from Bill Belichick's career, and it's definitive. He is an under 500 coach with a 480 winning percentage without Brady as his starting quarterback. That is a fact. Now, I can't tell you what Phil Jackson would have done without Kobe and without Shaq and without Michael Jordan. But the fact of the matter is he had those guys and he won. From the 314, I'm sick of people ripping on winter. Can you really appreciate the summer if you don't experience this bitter cold? I've had enough of, uh, I'm, I'll rip out, I can take a week of winter, but this is too much. I, I can handle this. So. I'm the same. Thanks, Michelle. You got it. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, we're going to head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And our buddy Greg Amzinger, MLB Network, is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker, great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. We head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and our friend, native St. Louis, and a product of the Lindenwood University, the one and only Greg Amzinger, joining us this morning. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. You know, Randy, it's 30 degrees. It's snowing in New Jersey, but I'm not going to complain about it. Okay. I, I'm not. A so couple I, of quick I, things. I'm going to be positive all day. I'm, I'm tired of complaining about the same thing over and over again. I, it's a symbol of me being old when you complain about the weather. <laughs> Here's the so thing, I'm though. I'm not going to do that anymore. Last year, you had a major storm up in New Jersey, and if I'm not mistaken, we may have been talking to you as you were on your way to a liquor store at 830 <laughs> in the morning your time. Yeah, I try to forget about that uh, because <laughs> because I made that trip. I forgot about a lot of things that day. Um, it's probably the last time I'm going to make a trip to a liquor store at 830. Uh, that, that would probably be another symbol of issues that I'm trying to rectify this year. Uh, 2022 is it's brand new. It's fresh. And I want to come out swinging and do the right thing, Randy, uh, and a healthier year, a healthier year. Come out swinging. I like that. That's a good way to put it. We're going to talk about your hosting the Hall of Fame elections next Tuesday. But I want to get your take on this because at MLB Media, MLB.com, there's a question up. Allison Footer has a piece call uh, asking which baseball movie has the greatest Hollywood ending. And you guys at MLB Network, especially at times like this, are showing every great baseball movie. Your favorite baseball movie ending? Well, the ending is the natural. I mean, how can you go against that, right? I mean, the guy hits the freaking light tower and you got sparks flying. He's bleeding from the side. He's probably going to die. 
you're rounding the bases. He's old, yet he's still massively handsome, which I don't understand. <laughs> Robert Redford, he's incredible. But, yeah, how do you beat that? I don't think you do. I, I mean, the Sandlot's cute. It's great that he's the play-by-play guy and his buddy steals home, like, flashback. That's great. And there are so many other movies. You know, uh, Kevin Costner playing catch, that'll, that'll pull on your heartstrings. Anybody that's got, you know, a son – that 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 makes you think back to the first time you actually did that with your little guy. Um, so yeah, baseball movies. Yeah, we've we've talked a lot about this, and and I, I get baseball fans upset. I really have a hard time sitting through them. I, 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 no joke, no joke. I, I, they're, they're very corny. I, I, am I upsetting you, Randy? Michelle, am I upsetting you? No. I think baseball movies are very corny. I can't disagree with that. <laughs> All sports movies are, though, to some degree. Yeah, kind of. Like, to me, if you're in the business of sports and you follow this stuff, when you watch actors try to be an athlete, it just comes off really corny. And I, I prefer the real thing. I'm not a big fiction guy, so I like documentaries. I like things that are real. And I have a hard time. There, there, there are movies, there are episodes. My son's watching a, a show about a kid that's getting recruited to play football, and I'm watching kids play, and they can't throw. Mm-hmm. There's a, this, they, uh, Colin Kaepernick, the new piece that was on Netflix, it was tremendous. The kid that's playing him at all of these camps, I can see when they're editing to avoid showing this kid throw a football. He can't throw a football. He's got to do it. <laughs> hey, Greg, there's, you'll, you'll be really happy to know this, that in the movie Slapshot, there's only about three or four real actors, and most of those players were taken from the American League or, and, and turned into actors. Like the Hanson brothers, they, they were not actors. They were hockey players that they brought in to, to actually become actors uh, in that movie and from everybody I've talked to that was around that league at that time the Charlestown Chiefs are a very accurate representation of the Johnstown Jets that that is not really all fiction all right now I, I've never sat through that it gives me more incentive to watch Slapshot I enjoy the real thing now I know you're making uh, athletes into actors which should also be very corny and cheesy. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, it's kind of like a, a double-edged sword. I totally understand that. I, for me, I'm looking for reasons for my ADD to kick in to not oh. watch a movie. So that's where I, I, I have an issue. If I see something that's odd or corny, and I, I, I subconsciously I'm looking for an out. I think that's what it is to go do something else, which there isn't much to do when it's 30 degrees and snowing. But there I am complaining again. <laughs> Oh, and you know what, Greg, though, let's keep it positive. I love your thought process of it's 2022. We're not going to complain. We're going to put positivity out there because positive thoughts yield positive results, right? So yeah, I'm not even going to yeah. ask you about the lockout because I don't know if there's hope there. But let's talk about the Cardinals. Why should Cardinals fans be positive about their team heading into this season? Well, I, I, what I want Cardinal fans to do is not put so much pressure on a gigantic free agent addition or, or a major upgrade at shortstop. Uh, I think the reality of the situation is there's depth and there are plenty of players that really could slide over there. And maybe that's the best move for the team. You know, you got, you got a, a prospect, Nolan Gorman's going to come up and he's been training to play second base. You get in there at second base, 
You could slide Tommy Edmond over to shortstop. Tommy Edmond's playing. He's going to be a regular for the St. Louis Cardinals. That's the year he had. Table setter, old school type of player, perfect for what the Cardinals need. And when they win, he usually plays well. But with Sosa and DeYoung as options, viable options, look, I'm at a point in time in my career where second-guessing John Mozeliak has always worked out poorly for me. <laughs> and, and, and Paul DeYoung, would anyone be shocked if he ripped off 35 home runs in 2022? I would not be shocked if he did that. I don't think this is Matt Carpenter 2.0. Uh, the guy's not old. He, he, he's not like, I really don't think his best baseball is in the rear view mirror anymore. Do I think he's an everyday shortstop? Yeah. His versatility playing him in different spots might be who the Cardinals, but they've got so many guys that are locked in at infield positions. I don't see where you move them to. So I think they give it one more run with the guys they have. And I believe Cardinal fans will be frustrated with that. But with the additions that they have on the mound, I love the Steven Matz addition. I still think the bullpen is loaded with weapons. They'll add more. This is a really good team. It's a really good team. A new leadership in the dugout. If the guys like him and, and, and he's, you know, copacetic with the front office, uh, there's a lot to smile about in St. Louis. There are teams out there that are, that are, are, are really in a bind right now, really in a bind because the roster has so many question marks and we're sitting through a lockout where they can't add any players. So, the Cardinals are in a really good spot as we sit in this thing. Greg Amsinger with us on 101 ESPN. And next Tuesday, Greg will host the Hall of Fame announcements. And at the moment, Greg, it looks like, according to Ryan Thibodeau at Twitter, that only one guy, Big Poppy, is going to make it. I can't imagine that Bonds and Clemens are going to sustain where they are. And Scott Rowland has fallen in the public ballots below the 70% threshold. Do you agree with me that Big Poppy looks like he's the only guy? No. Uh, I, I am fully preparing as we do this show, which is going to be like four hours, uh, for no one to get in. Oh, That's wow. what I'm preparing. Yeah, I'm preparing for no one to be elected in. Now, thanks to the veterans committees, we've already got so many people to talk about, which is great. Uh, but this class of, of guys that are, are trying to push the 75% threshold, I just don't see it happening. Where David Ortiz is now with the public ballots that have come out, uh, talking about positivity and negativity, the curmudgeons like to keep their ballots <laughs> private mm-hmm. and they don't submit those. So for David Ortiz, I've been doing this for a while now, to get to 75%, he needs to be with, I think, 40% made public at the moment, around 90%. He needs to be over that. That's how high he needs to be because once the rest of those ballots are made public and, and they announce it, more than likely because of the slight PED speculation that has been attached to him, I don't think a lot of uh, old school writers want him getting in on the first ballot. Do I think he'll get it eventually? Absolutely. But I think he's just going to miss the cut. That's my, my instincts tell me that. So I'm getting ready on, on Tuesday to have a, a, an election process go through, count the votes, and no names being announced. Greg, I'm going to give you a great example of how hard it is to make the Hall of Fame. If you would have asked any of us after the 2010 season, when Tim Lincecum, by the age of 26, had won two Cy Youngs, he just led the league in strikeouts for the third year in a row. If you would have asked any of us, does Tim Lincecum make it to the Hall of Fame? We said, oh, yeah, he's yeah. he's going to be good enough for the next six years. He might not do what he's done, but he's going to be good enough. He's making the Hall of Fame. He's not even going to make uh, have enough votes to make it past one year in the Hall, on right. the Hall of Fame ballot. 
You're absolutely right. And, and it shows that a burst of brilliance is not, does not define you as a Hall of Famer. The guy that I'm upset about that more than likely will drop off the ballot is Torrey Hunter. Mm-hmm. Torrey Hunter played center field at the highest level, nine gold gloves. Andrew Jones is trending in a direction where he will eventually be elected into the Hall of Fame. He will. And I do believe Andrew Jones was a better defender than Torrey Hunter. Yes, yeah. I'm not going to argue with anyone that says that. But they were in separate leagues, and this is a guy that hit 277 in his career. He did not have the same slug as, as Andrew Jones, but he didn't fall off dramatically like Andrew Jones did. Torrey Hunter sustained productivity for a long period of time, well over 2,300 hits, uh, a better batting average than Andrew Jones. We can't just think of power. I think you know, when Jim Edmonds and Kenny Lofton dropped off the ballot and, and like they weren't even close Hall of Famers, it upset me. Center field, shortstop, and catcher. We need to take a moment and really look at the numbers of players that play these positions. They're vital positions in the game. And that's why all of these players had careers because they help their teams win games. And if you're a center fielder that covered as much ground as Jim Edmonds did, as Torrey Hunter did, that adds credibility to your resume. So I, I really want to see Torrey Hunter last. I, I want to see some momentum for him to tick upward. I don't think it's going to happen. But you're right, man. It's hard. It's the hardest Hall of Fame there is in sports. And when people go, oh, baseball getting wrong, wrong again. We got a lockout. And no one's getting elected into Cooperstown. This is a mess. Well, it, that's the way I like it. It's, it's hard. It, it's good to lose sometimes. I tell my kids that all the time. If, if everyone gets a trophy, that's kind of lame. So uh, I like how hard it is. And I like when guys do get elected, we still know how hard it is to get into Cooperstown. That's why it's such a celebration. Finally, give us a date for the first day of spring training. Woo! <laughs> uh, I'm going to say March 18th. Okay. March 18th will be the first day of spring training. Uh, they're going to squeeze it in, and they're going to try to play a full season. I really still believe that both sides know there is a deadline. And any, any talk you hear that one side doesn't care if there's a strike and they'll do whatever they need to do, that is not accurate. There is a deadline. They cannot miss baseball games. So stay hopeful, stay excited for a full 2022 season. All right. Greg Amzinger, you're the best. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Be careful up there in that winter storm. Uh, we brought it up again, Randy. I'm being positive. <laughs> positive. Being positive. I yes. appreciate your positivity. <laughs> See you later, man. That is Greg Amzinger, MLB Network. By the way, March 18th is a Friday, so just keep that date in mind. I'm circling it now. Greg Amzinger uh, joining us every Thursday on 101 ESPN. He's terrific. Coming up next, get your text into the Your Comfort Service text line 65780. It's time for Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing.
Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780 for Take It or Leave It. Michelle, I've got in front of me a video after the Monday night win by the Rams, who were in control the entire way. They were, yeah. A video of a massive brawl among quote-unquote Ram fans in the concourse at SoFi Stadium. Take it or leave it. If the Rams win the Super Bowl at SoFi Stadium, Los Angeles will be the last place you want to be. Oh, well, I'll take that anyway. They're going to turn over a car and burn it. Oh, yeah. You better have a lot Mm -hmm. of police on staff because people are going to go nuts. And not because they're excited, but because they see an opportunity to go nuts. That's why. These people are bananas that go to Rams games. Every game, it seems like there's a video of a fight. And not only just a fight, it's a vicious brawl. Yeah, it is. Yeah, with both men and women, you we know, might add. I see videos like that all the time coming from Dodger games, too. Mm-hmm. What's what's going on in L.A.? I don't know. It's yeah, You would think that there's some pandemic-related mental issues. I think there is with everybody. but It just seems like games in L.A., yeah. though, you're seeing a lot more violence, but, like, very vicious violence. This right. is not just, I'm going to throw a beer at you and, you know, we're going to snipe back and forth. This is, I'm knocking you out, you're falling down the stairs, and then I'm coming back down to pummel you more. And they like to get into brawls with opposing teams' fans, but they get into brawls with each other, too. They just don't like They are an unhappy group out there. I guess it comes from the owner. I guess. I guess. How, how many of those... Rams fans, air quotes, don't even know anybody on the team, though. They're there to have some beers and get in a fight. That's it, yeah. You know what I mean? It's fine. Okay, Randy, this one is um, different than what I normally do, and it's a little cheesy. I like that. But I want to try it on for size, okay? Okay, good. So I was having this conversation with someone yesterday, and I was saying, you know, when I think about things that I'm excited about in sports, you know what's at the top of the list is Jordan Cairo. I mean, this kid is so fun to watch. He is so electric. Every time you watch a Blues game, he does something that makes you say, wow, he's our guy, right? Like, I am a fan of Jordan Cairo. Mm-hmm. And I said, Jordan Cairo's fans, us, especially early in his career, you know, he's an all-star now. As he continues to grow as a player, more people are going to be aware of Jordan Cairo. Fans of Jordan Cairo need a name. You know, like Justin Bieber has Beliebers. Mm-hmm. Right? What about, okay, take take it or leave it. If you're a fan of Jordan Kyrou, you can say you're in the Kai crew. Something like that. We need some yeah, sort, I'll of, take a, that. A sort fan of a club. A fan club name for yeah. Jordan Kyrou. I will take, take that. it or we leave need, it. I'll take it, and we need to have the BLS, BLIS come up with that. 65780. And listen, Kai crew is a little lame, but it's just mm-hmm. where we're starting. We're just throwing things against the wall. No bad ideas here on the text line, so just feed them in. But I'm just thinking five years from now, we're going to be like, I was on the ground floor. I bought mm-hmm. stock early in the Kai crew. Yeah. You know, or whatever it is. You know who does the best job with that stuff is Phillies fans. Like, they had Randy Wolf, and they had the Wolf Pack. Mm-hmm. They had uh, Vicente Padilla, and it was Padilla's Flotilla, <laughs> things, things like that. You know what else is cool? What? Is in New York with Aaron Judge, the judges' chambers. Very cool. Remember one time they had Sonia Sotomayor Mayor in the stands with them? Very cool. So that's what we need, a cool fan club name for Jordan Cairo. And it, it's going to be something that's well, uh, time well spent and a good thing to invest in. This is only going to pay dividends as he continues to play. So. Yeah, you get a chance to be in on the ground floor. Your tech, 65780, what do you got? Okay, take it or leave it. From the 314, the Colorado Avalanche, are getting the pampered treatment by the NHL. They can cancel every game when they have players injured or out with COVID, but the rest of the league has to play. Yeah, I'll take it. They are getting kind of the pampered treatment, but that'll come up to catch. That'll bite them a little bit in the second half of the season because they have so many games left. Okay, I like this one, Randy. This is tough. 
from the 314. Take it or leave it. If Adam Wainwright doesn't make the Baseball Hall of Fame, the Cardinals break protocol and retire his number. That's a great question. I don't think that they will officially retire number 50. I don't think they'll put it up on the wall. But I do believe that unofficially it'll be retired. They they won't issue it again. It'll be like Willie McGee. Yeah. 50 and 51 will not be issued again. Yeah, you can't have somebody wearing 50. It's right. just, it's not going to fly. No. And in the last 10 years, nobody's worn number five here. Nobody's wearing number five for the Cardinals again. So it'll be like that sort of a situation. Can you imagine if somebody got traded to the Cardinals and they were number five before? And they're like, well, it's available. Yeah, right. <laughs> Can I have it? Well, and that happened. You know, Pronger got his number retired the other night. The Blues had several number 44s post-Pronger. Daryl Sador and Jason Arnott both wore 44. So there is precedent for that happening. As a matter of fact, after Whitey left and made the Hall of Fame subsequently in 2010, Rick Ankiel was number 24 for the Cardinals. Okay, from the 314, take it or leave it, a peanut butter and dill pickle sandwich. I'm going to leave that, Michelle. It sounds gross. I'm leaving it. Yeah, I don't I'm, like I'm the into idea. weird food combos, but that just sounds... It sound, I like a pickle. I like a peanut a peanut butter sandy. Mm-hmm. I don't need to combine the two. I think the only things I really like pickles on, obviously, are friends at Chick-fil-A. Adam Wainwright on the show tomorrow, by the way. Yeah, looking forward to talking to Wayno. At 7.30. And also, I, I like them on burgers. Of course. But I don't think I'd put put them on any other sandwich. Like, like a Chicago dog with a pickle. I always take the pickle off. Really? I do. Oh, my gosh. It's part of the beauty of a I know Chicago it is, dog is the I, pickle. I take it off. So I eat I, it separately, but just not with the, the dog. I'm with you. Chick-fil-A, pickle on the sandy, mm-hmm. burger, I ketchup, mustard, pickle. Love mm-hmm. it. I, I'm also a fan of just eating pickles out of the jar. A dill spear, really? a cornichon. Yeah. Give me a pickle out of a jar all day. But I don't need to put it on a peanut butter sandy. Yeah. I like the fact that at, uh, at Panera now, at Bregco, they ask you, if you want the pickle. They used to just give it to you, and now they ask you whether you want it or not. That's nice. Some people hate pickles. I'm sure a lot of people are just throwing it out. Yep. From the 314, take it or leave it. If Jack Flaherty has another subpar year or doesn't stay healthy, he's a must-trade next offseason. I'm going to leave it. I'm going to say he's a must-keep. Because his value went down? Yep. The asking price yep. went down? The, the, the value is not what the potential would be. You couldn't, in my opinion, if he has a down year, you couldn't get proper value for him. That's that's the way I would be thinking if I was the Cardinals because his ability after next year, if he's healthy, is still going to be off the charts. We, we saw, we've seen his ability. Yes. So, yeah, I would keep him around for that last year. Okay, uh, before we wrap here, a couple Jordan Cairo fan like suggestions. Okay, the Rue crew, Jordan Cairo, the Rue, Rue crew. crew. Good. I like that. Um the Chirunatics. Oh, We're in there Saint, we go. St. Louis yep. Lunatics. I kind of like that. Um, Chiruligans. That one's a little difficult to say, but yeah. I, I like where your mind is at, 314. Or excuse me, 573 on that one. The Chiruders. Or how about this one? The Crazy Chiros. I'm going to go with Chirunatics. I kind of like that too. The Rue Crew is easy. Someone says J Crew and everyone wears sweaters. <laughs> That'd be pretty fun. But I, I kind of like Rue Crew or the Chirunatics. Rue Crew is easier and faster. It is. I'm part of the Rue Crew rather than I'm a Chirunatic. And you also have the Slunatics already over at SLU. True. Rue Crew it could be. I don't know. If you have any more, 65780. Yeah. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up. An interesting op-ed in the New York Times, an interesting column. 
Why can't we turn away from the NFL? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Carriker and Smallman's Fresh Tea. Brought to you by the Schnooks Rewards app. Check out Good For You, a free wellness program available in the app today. 806 in St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Michelle texted me a column by Kurt Streeter in the New York Times the other night about the NFL, and it's really interesting. Michelle, I'm just going to read a a snippet here of this column, and we can talk about our feelings about it. Kurt Streeter writes, the NFL doesn't care about your concerns. It doesn't care if you think the most recent purge of black head coaches is proof of the league's vow to end racism being a sham. It doesn't care if you think the league is too woke or caught up in virtue signaling. It doesn't care if you've had enough of the debilitating injuries and the beloved players shell-shocked by the game's inherent brutality. The NFL does not care because it doesn't have to. It weathers all storms from Hurricane Kaepernick to the deluge of pain, uncertainty, and death caused by COVID-19. It has an ever-tightening grip on America and its culture. He goes on to write, why should the league worry about what we think, what we worry about or even protest when more cash and better ratings continue to rain down? Why can't we turn away? Right along with the drama, the crushing blows, and the brilliant spectacle of it all, another reason is the game's unrivaled ability to bring people together. The most ardent boosters of rival politicians find themselves elbow to elbow at bars or perched together in the upper tiers of NFL stadiums. When not reporting, I watched the games grappling with internal conflict all along. That's Kurt Streeter in the New York Times wondering why we and he can't turn away from a league that really doesn't seem to care about anything except extracting financial benefit from us. We here in St. Louis are aware of that more than maybe any city in America. San Diego and obviously Oakland certainly have cases too. But we have seen the NFL for the dirty devil that it is. And yet how many of us are still watching games? Which is why I think that question, why can't we turn away, is such a poignant and powerful question. Because, Randy, Obviously, we have to watch games for our jobs Mm -hmm. because people in St. Louis, the audience that we serve, a lot of them still watch games, whether it's because they're gambling on the game, whether it's fantasy football or whether it's because they've adopted a new team. We need to watch the product so that we can serve our audience that wants to hear about it. Right. But I I really thought about this. I I try to have self-awareness and I thought if I didn't have to watch games for my job, would I? And the answer is yes. And I think it comes down to two things, FOMO and greatness. I'm gonna tune into the NFL, maybe not every weekend if I don't have to for this job, but I'm gonna wanna see Tom Brady into his 40s still try to compete. Mm -hmm. I love Joe Burrow. Watching Joe Burrow play is fun. I'm gonna wanna watch him play and everybody else is watching it on a Sunday. It's hard to go anywhere or do anything on a Sunday and avoid it completely. So a lot of times, even though you're disgusted by the NFL, even though you don't want to give them any of your time, energy, and money, you also don't want to not be part of the conversation. I despise the business and the people that are in charge of the business, specifically Goodell, Kroenke, Jones. But that being said, I was compelled by what Jones' team did on Sunday against San Francisco. I found Robert Kraft's team to be compelling and getting pummeled by Buffalo on Saturday night. 
as horrible as the business is for minorities in terms of coaches and giving them an opportunity to advance for their former players many of whom are dying because of the their participation in the nfl for cities like st louis oakland san diego for as awful as the sport is and the owners are they still have a compelling product mm -hmm. and as much as hey I, look at this i'm wearing nike stuff I, I hate what Nike does, the people that they have make their products, I, the, the way that they go about their business. But do I like their product? Yes. It's not much different than that. I, I hate the fact that people are making 10 cents building shoes and, and clothes for me in Indonesia. It shouldn't be that way. That's horrible what the ownership of Nike does. But at the end of the day, I really like the product. And same thing with the NFL on a different level. I hate I hate the people that run their league. I hate the business of the NFL, but I find their product compelling. And I'm like you, I, I can't turn away. And I think FOMO is a big part of it. You just don't want to miss out on this stuff. And it's the easiest of the four major sports to consume because you only are required to watch it one day a week, really. I mean, yes, there's games on Thursday, Monday, etc. But if there's one specific matchup or one specific team or one specific player that you want to see, it's a low time commitment whereas if if you are so mad at baseball because of this lockout mm -hmm. and you're like i'm done i love the cardinals but like i can't do it with baseball anymore i think it'd be much easier to walk away because you're just like i don't have the time to watch all of these baseball games all the time and the storylines with baseball change so much mm -hmm. on on a weekly basis or even a daily basis based on what your team has done and what the other teams in your division have done. Whereas in the NFL, you give it two to three hours a week and for another seven days, that's going to sustain you. Yeah. And I think I've told you this story before. I really do make a concerted effort to stay away from the, the businesses. And this is just my own personal protest, but the, the cronky businesses and NFL businesses that they have official relationships with. And so I'm going down the list with my daughter who said, you're not staying away from the NFL's businesses. And I said, sure I am. I'm, I'm you know, I, I love Anheuser-Busch here in St. Louis. I don't drink beer anyway, so I don't have any trouble staying away from that. I don't, I, I'll never buy a Lenovo computer. I won't buy a Hyundai vehicle. And then I get down to uh, Bristol Myers. And she said, I, I said, I don't do business with them. She said, yes, you do. And then she starts reading me all of the brands that Bristol Myers has, and I said, "Well, yeah, okay," because <laughs> I just don't know. Yeah. We all are on some level. Every single one of us, we are, even if we don't want to, doing business with a partner of the NFL, and we're supporting the NFL. We're getting a lot of reaction to this on the text line mm -hmm. because I had actually tweeted this. Randy tweeted this story mm -hmm. and said it's a toxic relationship with the NFL, but so many of us can't walk away. Yep. And the responses I got were actually really fascinating because there are a lot of people that. When, here in St. Louis, that when the Rams left, they cold turkey divorced the league. They have not watched games since, which I think is really fascinating because if you were so invested in the Rams and in the league before, I, I'm amazed that you can just walk away from it. Mm -hmm. So I'm really interested to to get to some of these texts. But from the 618, Randy just described the NFL as a heroin dealer, which is kind of perfect. <laughs> it really is. It's a great point. Yep. Um, from the 314, the NFL left me twice, so I left it. I gained my Sunday's back i'm more productive i lost a bit of weight not sitting around giving them my eyeballs i truly wish death to the nfl that's good for you and i i hope your wish comes true at some point but just not in my lifetime
But how many times have we had that conversation yeah, we where we're like, the concussions, well, kids around the country aren't playing football at the clip that they did before. The league isn't going to have the pool of talent. They they disregard the fans. They're so tone deaf. P- ratings are down. People aren't going to tune in anymore. Tune in anymore. And those television ratings go up. up, up the up. contracts get bigger and bigger and bigger. Hundreds of billions of dollars that are at stake. And we just can't quit them. And there are always going to be plenty of football players always and even if a lot of moms around the country decide you aren't playing football because i'm worried about concussions for every one of those parents that says you aren't playing football there will be two or three that say yeah i don't care you can play and there's gonna it's always going to be a ticket out for a lot of inner city kids there's always going to be texas there's always going to be florida there's going to always going to be western pennsylvania there's always going to be ohio we're always going to have those Areas of the country where the sport is a a religion, where that's what they live for, that Friday Night Lights is why you have a boy, so that you can live vicariously through him. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. And as long as that talent remains, we're going to keep watching. Yep. Great stuff, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about this further as we go along. And we'd love your response, 65780, on the Air Comfort Service text line. Next up, though, we're going to talk some blues. John Kelly, the voice of the blues on Bally Sports, next in the Blues Booth on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. This is Carriker and Smallman. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Brought to you by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Great floors for every home with locations in Crestwood, Manchester, Overland, and St. Peter's. And online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Michelle and Randy with you. We head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And our friend, the voice of the Blues on Bally Sports, John Kelly, joins us. JK, good morning. How you doing? I'm cold, Randy. It's cold outside. <laughs> this is crazy, isn't it? And you're a guy that grew up with cold weather. I don't know it's a, that it's ever been as cold as we're experiencing right now. Yeah, sort of a, a Arctic blast right now. So, no, it's fine. We're, we're doing well here in St. Louis. Hey, you have uh, worked in many new buildings, the most recent, of course, being Vegas. Tell us what you do when you go into a new booth in a new building from a broadcast perspective, finding everything that you need to find in terms of where the best spot for the scoreboard is and, and uh, the, the view of the ice. How, how does that work for you? Yeah, I mean, it's actually a pretty – Good. It's a good question. It's sort of a technical question. I never thought of that, Randy. But, you know, every building is so different in terms of number one location. And that's the biggest thing for me as a broadcaster is is, is the view of the ice. And, and unfortunately, with all these new buildings, they get bigger and better and whatever. But we also, as our, as our position gets higher, it makes it more difficult to, to see the ice. But that's just the reality of, of, of the new buildings. But you know, they're all different in terms of light and, you know, the sound and things like that. I mean, some of these buildings, Randy, nowadays, they're, they're so loud that we have to wear headsets during our on-camera opens and things like that. Not a big deal to people. They don't really care, but it's just so loud. So that's, you know, those are the little things you look for, the view and, and you know, the ambiance and the lighting and things like that. And obviously, Randy, you have to know where the bathrooms are between periods. It's <laughs> really important. That's the most important thing. How's that? Yeah, my, John, that might be the first thing you scout out when you get into the building for sure. Well, it was a, a special night at Enterprise Center honoring Chris Pronger, watching his number ascend into the rafters. You have been around Chris Pronger a lot, obviously. What's your favorite Chris Pronger story? How would you describe him as a player? 
Well, I think that um, as a player, he was, and I was, I don't want to say surprised, but when Al McKinnis said that he, he might be the greatest defenseman ever, I think that people that were watching on Valley Sports or, you know, at the arena, they were like, oh, wow, that's a, that's a strong statement. And, you know, the more I've thought about it over the last couple of days, he's really right. I mean, you, you know, you'd be hard-pressed to name a defenseman that could do everything Al could do or, or Chris could do in terms of toughness and, you know, passing ability, defending, obviously, his offense, scoring goals. Um, he certainly is top, top two or top three all-time in terms of all-time defensemen. So, and I thought his speech was great. I mean, it sort of encapsulated Chris perfectly. Um, he was confident. He was brash. He was funny. He was honest. I mean, that's the way that I know Chris Pronger, and his speech sort of nailed it. So, um, you know, a unique player, um, a great player, one of the best ever, and I'm so happy that his 44 got lifted to the Raptors the other night. And, John, it's been more than 11 years now since he played. Do you think if Chris Pronger were playing that style of play, and he could play and be awesome today, but could he play the style of play that he employed in today's game? Well, I think the simple answer is no, or he'd be in the penalty box all night, or he'd be kicked out of the game. But he's such a smart player, Randy. He'd, he'd adjust, right? There's just no way that Chris would hack and whack. And I could say the same thing about a lot of players over the years, like the Plager brothers and mm-hmm. you know the late Bob Gasol. Of course, those players could not do what they did at the time. I mean, you know, I was watching a game again last night, and you know this slashing call with a player with one hand on his stick, lifts his stick up and, and hits the hand of another player. One hand on a stick, and they're calling that slashing. So, I mean, you know, Chris and Bob Bark Plager, I mean, they were two-handers and things like that. So, no, I, I think he'd adapt, and I don't think it'd be an issue. But um, the game has changed, and the rules have changed, and it, it is a tougher game to play. That's why I've always said I think right now the toughest position in hockey is defense, Randy, because you, you, you can't touch the opposing player. And if he gets a half step on you, it's almost impossible to defend. So it's a really hard position to play right now. And along those lines, John, I think that's one of the reasons that the game is unfair. And we as a fan base are kind of unfair to Colton Pareko because he's so big. We expect him to be this big, ferocious guy. But the ferocious guy he can't do what Chris Pronger did. If if Pareko was as mean as Pronger was on the ice, like you said, he'd spend all night in the penalty box. So there are limits to the the ferociousness that Pareko could utilize his size with. Exactly. And, you know, as much as sometimes we'd like to see Pareko do those type of things, it's just not in his DNA. And, Randy, I know that you know Colton very well. Uh, from your years in the locker room. He's just the nicest guy in the world, mm-hmm. and he, he's not going to change. Um, but that doesn't mean he can't play hard, and he's not a great defender, and, you know, on and on. But he, he's not going to turn into this big monster that, you know, runs people through the boards. You know, he plays physical. He hits. Um, but he, he, it's just not in his DNA to play that type of hockey. And as you said, in today's game, um, you just can't really do that. That's just a fact. I mean, you know, on the top of my head, I can't even think of a guy now, a defenseman that, you know, is big and nasty and mean that you hate to go in front of the net against in the NHL. I, I just can't <laughs> because those guys are really dinosaurs and they're out of the game. It's just hard to play that way. 
John, another strong performance on Monday from Ville Husso between the pipes. A lot of people in St. Louis talking about the goalie situation. Do you think that we'll see Ville Husso get more more starts? Well, I think that's the hot hot subject in, in St. Louis, and I look at it this way. Um, instead of it being a controversy or a problem, I consider it a blessing, and, and, a, and a, it's positive that you have two good goaltenders. And Ville has improved his game a lot this year, and Coach Burby has said that he came in in better shape, um, was playing better from the start, maybe a better, uh, maybe in better shape, as I said, and maybe a better attitude as well. So he's been fantastic. Um, but, you know, Berube, um is respectful of what Bennington has done, and he should be. And I think everybody tries to, you know, look at one game or whatever or one goal and, and all of a sudden, you know, make all these, you know, rash decisions and, and things like that. I mean, he didn't have a great game against Toronto, but he really just let in one bad goal. <laughs> and, you know, as Coach Bruby said, players have bad games too. So I, I think Bruby is still clearly your number one guy, but, you know, Huso's going to get his starts, and he should get his starts. And the blue is that you, you look at the schedule after, um, you know, no longer a break in February, but after – after February when the Blues have added some games. But March and April are so busy. So I think Billy will get a lot of work, and he'll, he'll get plenty of opportunity here down the stretch. And the Blues will travel today. J.K., enjoy Seattle. Well, I'm not there, but um, I'm, I'm sure I'll enjoy calling the game from Bally hmm. Sports Midwest, Randy. I, you know, we're not, we're not going to Seattle on this okay. trip. So. Okay, good. Well, we'll be tuned in either way. Have a, uh, have a safe time here in St. Louis then, and uh, stay away from the cold. Stay warm. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. See you later. That is John Kelly, the voice of your blues on Bally Sports here on 101 ESPN. Yeah, if you're a broadcaster, you're in the booth and it's a new building that you're unfamiliar with, I would imagine that the bathroom is the first place you need to scout out. How quickly do I need to get there? Uh, yeah, no doubt about it. And by the way, the reason, uh, and I wasn't even thinking of this, but because of the fact that the blues head to Canada and because of the issues in crossing the border, broadcasters are going to stay home for the Canada trip. Mm -hmm. So with the Blues doing Seattle now, and then after Seattle, let me move up to January here, we've got games uh, this weekend. So you've got at Seattle and then at Vancouver and at Calgary. So it's a hassle for the broadcasters to cross the border into Canada, and that's why John and Panger will do the games from here in St. Louis. It's not just the Seattle game, it's those two in Canada. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. Coming up... Dustin, he gets in the Hall of Fame and then he just blows us off. Maybe he didn't want to take the fight Randy style. It's pretty intimidating. That might be. But anyway, we've got a new fighter next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. It's time to fight here on Carricker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Yesterday, we saw our first Hall of Famer get crowned in 2022. Dustin had beaten Randy three days in a row. He entered the Hall of Fame, and normally a Hall of Famer comes back and they take Randy on Randy style, which means no options, one lifeline. But Dustin couldn't do it today. He had something come up, work, 
fear. I don't know what it was, but Dustin is out. So he's still a Hall of Famer. He just will end the streak at three, which means we are welcoming in a new fighter today. Jeff is with us. Good morning, Jeff. How are you? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Thanks so much. You ready to take on Randy? Sure am. All right, let's go. Question number one. The Calder Memorial Trophy is awarded to the NHL's Rookie of the Year. Who is the only player in Blues history to win the Calder? Is it Brett Hall, Al McInnes, or Barrett Jackman? Barrett Jackman. Question number two, Jeff. This Sunday, the Rams and Buccaneers will play in the divisional round. When the St. Louis Rams beat the Bucks 11-6 in the NFC Championship en route to their Super Bowl victory, which player caught the lone touchdown in that game? Was it Ricky Prohl, Isaac Bruce, or Torrey Holt? Uh, Torrey Holt. Question number three. The 49ers and Packers will play on Saturday. In which season did these two teams last meet in the playoffs? 2017, 2018, or 2019? Uh, let's go with 2017. And finally, Jeff, tomorrow the Blues play in Seattle for the first time in their history. What was the name of Seattle's original professional hockey team who won the Stanley Cup in 1917? Was it the Millionaires, the Metropolitans, or the Maroons? Metropolitans. Oh, was that somebody whispering to you, Jeff? No, I was kind of playing it out in my head. Okay, so. okay, just checking. Let's, yeah, no, I'm by myself. Let's wave in Randy, because you know, Jeff, our texters, the BLIS, they're going to be all over that if I didn't call it out. So yeah. I had to double check. No, sorry. I'm, I'm sitting here talking to myself. I love it. I do that too, Jeff. No worries. I feel like it's gotten worse since the pandemic too. You're just like making comments out loud. You've been, we've been alone for a while. Randy, say good morning to a new fighter. Dustin is not with us. He bailed. It's Jeff. Jeff, great to have you with us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Thank you. Good day play against you today are you ready i'm ready question number one for randy the calder memorial trophy is awarded to the nhl's rookie of the year mm -hmm. who is the only player in blues history to win the calder i believe that would be barrett jackman this sunday the rams and buccaneers will play in the divisional round mm -hmm. when the st louis rams beat the bucks 11 to 6 in the nfc championship en route to their super bowl victory mm -hmm. which player caught the lone touchdown in that game I'll go with number 87, Ricky Prohl. One of your favorites, right? Since you met him and got to talk to him? Unbelievable. What a good, what a good guy he is. That, we can get into this later, <laughs> but that team had so many great guys on it. Yeah, they really did. I mean, not only were, were they nice, they were fun. They were revealing. I mean, they're so transparent, telling yeah. you about those, those that season. Unbelievable. All right, Randy, the 49ers and Packers will play on Saturday. In which season did these two teams last meet in the playoffs? It was, it was 2019, right? When they, uh, Raheem Mostert had the big game and it was the year the 49ers went to the Super Bowl. Yeah, so this is 2019. 2019 season 2020 playoffs. And finally, Randy, tomorrow the Blues play in Seattle for the first time in their history. What was the name of Seattle's original professional hockey team who won the Stanley Cup in 1917? The Seattle Metropolitans. So Randy was not pleased that someone beat him three times in a row and went to the Hall of Fame. Is he still a little rusty? Was he still shaken from that experience? Or did he bounce back? Grant, ring the bell.
Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Brought to you by Optical Expressions. Providing St. Louis with top quality eye care and eyewear since 1997. Just win, baby. And he's back. <laughs> and he is back, folks. Unlike Texas, who's never been back. Randy is, in fact, back. Sorry, Jeff. You did a good job. You got two correct. Randy got all four correct today, though. I mean, he just... I... Oh, that's good. I'm more of a hockey guy. So. Yeah. Well, Jeff, thank you for listening. Thanks for playing. We appreciate you. Uh, thank you. Okay, well, let's run through our answers here. So the only player in Blues history to win the Calder is Barrett Jackman. Do you remember what year he did that? Was it till he came up 2001, I think? No, 2003. 2003. Close yeah. enough. Um, so in that 11-6 to Rams-Bucks NFC Championship game and route to their Super Bowl victory, it was Ricky Prohl that caught the lone touchdown in that game. The last time the 49ers and Packers met in the playoffs was 2019. San Francisco won that game 37-20. to And ran for like 300 yards. Yeah. And Seattle's original professional hockey team that won the Stanley Cup in 1917 was the Metropolitans. They had really ugly jerseys, the Seattle Metropolitans. They were like uh, prison outfits. Yikes. And they actually considered, when they brought this team back, the idea of calling this team the Metropolitans before they came up with the Krakens. But no, they are the, the, the Kraken. I think the Kraken's an awesome name. I do too. Win, 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 win! Oh, there he is. There he is. I there was going to go. say, are we just doing just win, baby? I didn't think so. After no. a jack? Come on. We Can't need a little that. bit more than that. So, Michelle, you saw when uh, you came in this morning, I had some putters sitting on a, a chair here yeah. that I just took to our front desk. And a middle school teacher by the name of Rick Hassler in the Parkway School District is a teacher of gifted students. And his class, the Science, Technology, and Engineering, Art, and Math Unit, is learning about simple machines. And what they want to do is build a miniature golf course out of Lego. They're going to build scale models. And what they need are putters. If you have an extra putter laying around the house, you can get it to Rick. And they also need Lego. If you have any Legos that mm -hmm. your kids use that they don't use anymore that you'd like to uh, donate that are maybe just collecting dust in the house, uh, Rick would be happy to take them off of your hands. I'm going to put it on my Twitter account, uh, how you can get in touch with Rick Hassler at Parkway's Parkway West Middle School. It's the gifted department. And so... I, I just think it's a great thing to get kids involved with golf, building basically a scale Lego green, and they need putters and they need Lego pieces. And you're sharing that on your Twitter, which is at Randy Carricker. It is, yeah. So, so people can be, find it. Be up there in just moments, and I'll, I'll do it on the, the Insta as well. And you can always follow Michelle on the Insta and the Twitter as well, at M Smallman, S-M-A-L-L-M-O-N. This sounds like a win-win because you can donate your putter that goes to a great cause and you feel good about it, and then you have to go buy a new one. Well, I've actually, I still got a couple left. <laughs> well, for other people out there. For other people, yeah. If they're thinking, if you yeah, need this, a new is, putter. this is something that I would like to do. It also is an opportunity for you to buy a new club. Yes, it is. So think about it that way, too. And so I'll put it up on the Twitter in just moments during our upcoming break. And next up, we're going to talk to our friend Jeremy Rutherford from The Athletic. He's our Blues Insider, and he's next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. 
time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. To the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and our Blues Insider from The Athletic is the one and only Jeremy Rutherford. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Good morning. Really good, guys. We always like having you on, and uh, a lot of questions yesterday, and I know that you you were working on, and has the story dropped about all of the Blues' dramatic comebacks this year? Yeah, 14 of them, and that's tied with uh, Colorado for the most in the league. And uh, they've been uh, pretty dramatic, as you said, Randy. I mean, who can forget the one against Dallas scoring twice in the final 47 seconds? Also, let's not forget about the comeback against Tampa Bay, down three, Zero. Who would have thought that uh, you'd be writing a story about a victory after that game, but they come back and tie it and, and then get the shootout win there. So that's a lot of extra points, and these are so important. You look in Colorado, won last night, so they're up to 55. you got the Blues in Nashville sitting at 51. The only reason the Blues caught them in points is because they came back against the Predators the other night. So every point counts as the old cliche goes. JR, I'm looking forward to reading the piece, but is there any contributing factors to why you think that the Blues are – so successful in these come from behind victories. I know obviously not getting off to the start that they want is part of it, but why do you think they're having so much success coming from behind? Yeah, Michelle, I think two things and uh, Braden Shen touched on it. One of them after the game the other night is that it's just kind of ingrained in the culture. And he felt that it went back to that 2019 uh, Stanley cup run uh, where they didn't feel like they were out of games, but more importantly, and something that you can really sink your teeth in instead of just saying, Hey, it's in the culture is the scoring depth. And we've talked about it, the, the depth up front with the forwards. Look, the Blues are fifth in the league in goals per game, up over three goals a game. But also, you look and you have so many guys contributing offensively, defensively. And when you look at some of these games, and this is what stuck out to me the most when I was working on this story, was when the Blues come back, and so they're down one nothing, they're down 2 nothing. they don't just score one or two goals and get back in the game and then kind of, pond hockey back and forth three three four three they scored five goals five straight goals when they were trailing four times they, they've scored four goals four straight goals three times when they get a goal they just keep it going Craig Bruby really felt that uh, that's just the momentum that they grab in the game a lot of it's happening in the second period they have the most second period goals in the entire league you mentioned the 2019 team, and I talked about this yesterday with David Perron, actually. I, I'll never forget Ryan O'Reilly during those playoffs saying, there's no panic here. It really was something that was a part of their DNA where regardless of circumstances or obstacles, they never freaked out. And this team has that. They have that component as well. Do you think that's something that comes from the veteran guys? Because there's a lot of new pieces on this team that weren't there for that ride in 2019. Or do you think that that's something that the coaching staff and chief specifically preach? Yeah, I think it comes from the, the coaching staff and obviously the few veterans uh, that are left from that team. I mean, there's there's a few of them, but you're right. There are a lot of new parts. And, you know, so new guys come in, Saad, Buchnevich, they're familiar, you know, with what the Blues uh, have done the past couple of years, especially that Stanley Cup run. And like Braden Chen said, they come in and, and they feel part of that, that culture. But I, I do believe that that no panic, uh, you know, comes from the coaching staff, but also um, you know, you look around the lineup, you go out to practice yesterday and you look at these line combinations with Pavel Buchnevich coming back. You got the Russian line back, you know, they're playing terrific. Braden Chen comes back and he looks great the other night. Now he's with uh, Perron and, and, and O'Reilly. And then you have Brandon Saad playing with Thomas and Cairo who've been terrific. Like if you're down two nothing in the second period, why wouldn't you think that you had a chance to come back? How much, JR, of this team's overall culture do you think a, is a product of Braden Shen being in that room? 
Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. I think uh, you look at guys like uh, he and, and Ryan O'Reilly, and, and that's why those guys, uh, you know, have kind of been at the forefront and, and wearing the letters, and of course Ryan wearing the C. And you got to add other guys to that with uh, Tarasenko, Perron, so on and so forth. Uh, but Braden Chen, to me, I, I've viewed him as a guy who could have worn the C. Like if they don't make the trade for Ryan O'Reilly, you know, Braden Chen is a guy who can do that, and it's it's a heart and soul guy. It's it's a type of guy that. Blues fans have been watching for years, you know, with the Brian Sutters, the Brendan Shanahan's, just willing to do whatever. Have some skill to score the goals, Randy, but also stick up for a teammate, drop the gloves, play physical. Even if you don't score, you don't fight. You know, maybe he's got four hits in a game and he, he, he uh, contributed that way. Uh, so to me, Braden Shen is that type of guy that you're talking about. Jer, everyone's talking about it. Do we have a goalie <laughs> controversy? I don't think so. I think this is uh, just part of the cycle throughout a long 82-game schedule. You know, Jordan Bennington, like a lot of starters, you know, don't give you that consistent effort that you need all the time. I, I've said it. I'll say it again. I do think he was playing pretty well uh, before we had that game the other night, six shots, uh, six goals on, on 40 shots, and then the squeaker there at the end. Uh, but I think that Billy Husso is playing outstanding. He's battling. He's competing. He's winning. He's making big saves that are allowing you to stay in these games. You look at this article about the comebacks that's out today, and uh, there were a couple games where, you know, if he doesn't make two or three saves in them, then we're not even talking about these game-winning goals that are scored by guys later uh, towards the end of the game. So, Billy Huso, to me, has been terrific. you got three games coming up here, one in Seattle tomorrow night. You know, we don't know what they're going to do yet. They practice today in Seattle. Perhaps Billy Huso gets the nod. And then you got the back-to-back, and I guess they'd split those. So we'll see what the coaching staff decides to do. To me, it's part of the long season. It happens. Uh, it just has to play itself out. But you have to write it for as long as it lasts. JR, are you intrigued by the changes to the schedule? And the Blues are going to play about a half dozen days in February as COVID makeups. But I'm intrigued to see how Chief and the staff utilize the practice time that they have. And I don't know how much they will have while they have days between the games in February. Yeah, so you'll play your last game on the 29th against Winnipeg. They've moved that Chicago game on the 30th. So if I'm not mistaken, they'll have about 11 days off. I haven't been told the rules at that point. You know, will they get a little break? Will they let the players leave for three or four days? You know, keep in mind some of these non-Olympic players probably had vacation plans. I realize those can be scratched in a heartbeat. uh, But maybe they do give them a few days off. And then after uh, the 11 days, they're back on the ice. And it's 38 games in the last 79 days. So it's going to be pretty busy. So I would think that... They'd try to give them some rest at that point. We're we're obviously in the dog days here, uh, Randy. But, you know, if you had to put together a list of the top five things, uh, good things that Craig Bruby and his staff have done with this team, I think it's been managing that rest. A lot of coaches do a good job with it, but I think that's one of their uh, great traits. Jerry, it was a special night at Enterprise Center on Monday watching Chris Pronger's number go into the rafters. There isn't a really obvious next guy up that you can look at and say, that's the guy who we think the Blues will retire their number next. If you had to put your money on somebody, though, who do you think it might be? Yeah, it's a tough one. Uh, actually, uh, in the press box the other night after the game, Benjamin Hockman, uh, the Post-Dispatch, was asking this question, and we were kind of debating it. And, you know, you just don't know who it is. Are the Blues going to win another Stanley Cup? And if they do, is it Ryan O'Reilly who shines? Is it is it Jordan Bennington who shines? And, and perhaps, you know, 20 years down the road, we're talking about uh, retiring one of those numbers. It could be, you know, we kept kind of looking to the future and saying, okay, if that player is on this roster, is it a Jordan Cairo? And it's way, way, way too early to start talking about that. You, you know, you're caught up in how he's doing this season. Uh, but I don't think there is a clear-cut guy. Uh, there's not somebody who's uh, no longer playing 
that you look to and you say, hey, that guy, he's probably in that conversation. I don't think that player is there. So uh, it's, he's probably on the current roster, but it's going to take a lot more success than the Blues have had, I think, to get that done. And, you know, look, Chris Pronger didn't win a Stanley Cup with the St. Louis Blues, and uh, neither did Al McKinnis. Neither did Bernie Federico, but those were great, great players who were very well deserving to have that number retired. So it, it takes a lot. Last thing, Jr. Michelle asked earlier for names for a Jordan Cairo fan club, and we got <laughs> Kyrunatics. We got Croutons. The Rue Crew. The Croutons. There you go. Uh, what about uh, you're going to have to build on this? I'm not saying this is the finished product, but I mean, all the guys call them Ruzi. Is there anything that goes with Ruzi? The Rusers, Boozers. <laughs> that that would fit at Enterprise Center. Yeah, I just yeah. Jr. He's so fun to watch. I was telling Randy that I feel like we want to get in on the ground floor of this. You know, like Justin Bieber has the believers. We we need some sort of nickname for the people that are are on the ground floor watching Jordan Cairo ascend into the superstar that he is. Well, if he's going to get his number retired in 20 years, like we're talking about, you got to get on on the ground floor. Yeah, I don't know if the Blues are going to get behind the marketing of the boozers, but uh, but <laughs> hey, probably come be- up with something. Jared, we're a beer city. Anheuser Busch could sponsor it. <laughs> yeah. We we well, also you got the guy. Go ahead. We got the Jordanaires. Oh, there you go. There you go. He's a Jordan fan. I think the the Jordan. No, that's Jordan Bennington, whose name comes from. Uh, Michael Jordan, not uh, Jordan Cairo. So uh, I'm off on that one. But no, yeah, Jordan Ayers works. Uh, but hey, listen, you're talking about the beer. I was going to say Chris Pronger slamming a beer when he's getting his number retired. So <laughs> you're, right, you're right. You do have to play off the beer town. Yeah. Uh, the, how about the Cobra Kairos? <laughs> I like it. I like it. And another one that I liked is the Cairo Maniacs. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. So are you going to do a poll on Twitter here? Those are some Eventually. good ones. Yeah, we should. Maybe we'll crowdsource them at the end of the show, throw it up on Twitter. But 65780, if you have any more suggestions, you still have time to get them in. Perfect. I'll be sure to get on there and vote. <laughs> Thanks, JR. JR, always good to hear your voice. Thanks for the time. We appreciate it, and we recommend everybody, A, get their subscription to The Athletic if they don't already have it, and then B, uh, review and positively review your work because it's always top top shelf, top of the line. I really appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. Have a good rest of the week. You too. Thanks. Yeah, whenever you read a JR piece at The Athletic, click on that little smiling face that says awesome. I know. I love that at the bottom. Um, And you're always going to learn something. Yeah. And think when you read a JR piece, which is why I love his work so much. But, Randy, back to Roosers Boozers. Mm -hmm. Don't you think that that would be a rowdy crowd, which would be so fun to have at a certain uh, section of Enterprise Center? I I imagine the Roosers Boozers to be like Bill's Mafia, where Mm -hmm. pregame, they're tailgating outside and the the elements like we have today— they're slamming beers. Maybe they're shirtless. They have a chant. I don't think they're going to be jumping off things, setting things on fire and breaking tables. They might. I don't know if that's a St. Louis thing. I don't know if that's necessarily our identity, but I do see them being wild and fun nonetheless. <laughs> that's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up on 101 ESPN, today's big thing, we will have our NFL playoff quarterback freakout ratings for the weekend. That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Nine oh two in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Which quarterbacks are most likely to freak out? What are our, our, our rankings heading into divisional weekend? 
Michelle, I'm going to give you my top eight in order, and I'm going to count it down. Okay? Okay, go ahead. Maybe this is something that is a product of the team that he plays for. Maybe it's a product of the fact that he did lead the league in interceptions this season, and he has never won a playoff game. But I would say that my most likely to freak out is one Matthew Stafford of the Los Angeles Rams. Well, I guess technically he has won one playoff. Oh, that's true. Okay. He did Good win for on him. Monday. He did yeah. win on Monday night. So he's on a roll. This one was difficult for me because I really don't know, and I think you feel the same way. My second most likely is Ryan Tannehill of the Tennessee Titans. Here's a guy who a couple of years ago led the league in passing efficiency. He's a really good thrower, but if the game is put on his shoulders, what happens? We don't know. He very well could freak out. My number six, a guy who has brought his team back from a 17-0 deficit in the last two weeks, Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, is he capable of freaking out? Yeah, we kind of saw it in the Super Bowl, didn't we? with a bad throw in the fourth quarter. So I have Garoppolo as my third most, most likely to freak out. Again, because I just don't know, I'm not planning on it, but my fourth most likely to freak out is Joe Burrow. He's only in his second year. He's only playing in his second playoff game. And I know he's done it at the highest level in the SEC. He's done it in the national championship game. But I just don't know about Burrow in the scenario that he'll be in against a good defense. Next up for me is Josh Allen. Josh Allen is a guy who, in a little bit of a lull this season, did have some freak-out moments. Is he going to do it in the playoffs, especially on the road in Kansas City? Could happen. Number three, again, a guy who looked like he was freaking out last year in the Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes. He didn't have any help from his offensive line, but he admitted that it was his fault, and he was running around like a chicken with his head cut off in the Super Bowl. So I'm going to go with uh, he, him as number three. Number two, even though he did throw three interceptions in his playoff loss last year, because of the year he's had and because of the quarterback he is, Aaron Rodgers is my guy that is second least likely to freak out. He is one of the greatest of all time. Heck, he only threw two interceptions this year after the opener, Michelle. So he he just isn't in freak-out mode. And number one, whenever you can come back from 28-3 down in a Super Bowl, that means you haven't freaked out. Now, granted, Tom Brady has, early in a Super Bowl, had uh, an ineligible uh, guy downfield. He's had uh, an intentional grounding early in games in a Super Bowl where he, he kind of freaked out. But it's been a long time since Tom Brady freaked out in a game. So he's my least likely to freak out in the playoffs this weekend. We have some similarities and some differences mm. in our lists. Good list, though, Randy. Thank you. I liked all, all of your reasoning. So coming in at number eight for me, I also have Matthew Stafford. Yes. Yes, he finally got that monkey off his back, and he did, in fact, win a playoff game on Monday night. But he wasn't really challenged. The Arizona Cardinals did not really give him a reason to panic. No. And when, he's fi when he gets further into the playoffs and is facing defenses that are disruptive against him, how will he react? I am a big proponent of the saying, when someone shows you who they are, believe them. And I believe that Matthew Stafford is a guy that will throw an interception in an important moment. So he is my number eight, I guess, or, and yeah. or number one, right. if we're talking about freakout factor. Coming in at number seven, I too have Ryan Tannehill. And this one was the most difficult for me, Randy, because 
as you mentioned, I don't really know what to expect from Ryan Tannehill. He's got weapons around him. King Henry's coming back. So what's required of him in order to have success is a lot less than a lot of these other quarterbacks that we're talking about. So he could be entering this game and actually be like number two or three on the freakout right, factor right. list. Um, but I don't want to have to put the ball in his hands to win me the game, which is why he's coming in at number seven. Coming in at number six for me, even though if I'm looking at the most recent body of work, he shouldn't be in this position. I'm looking at the body of work in totality, which is why Jimmy Garoppolo is also my number six on the freakout factor. I always go back to the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. So with no pressure in that game, Jimmy Garoppolo, 86% completion percentage, 199 yards, a touchdown, 119.5 passer rating. When he was under pressure in that game, 11% completion percentage, 20 yards, two interceptions. That's freaking out. That is freaking out. So, Jimmy G, love you. Italian Stallion, respect what you're doing with the thumb injury and now the shoulder. But I'm sorry. You're coming in at number six here. bottom three are identical. Yes, and this is where it it shifts a little. I'm going to put Josh Allen at number five. He, so far this season, has not looked like he's going to freak out, but I'm just going to need to see a little bit more from him, which is counterintuitive to something I'm going to say here in a second. This might be the shock for for me, but I'm putting Aaron Rodgers at number four on this list. Yes, he is one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever do it. Maybe the most talented throw over the football ever. This is a guy who's been in these big moments, but he hasn't had all that much success. Yes, he's been the MVP. Yes, he's won a Super Bowl, but he owns the... Uh, Hold on, let me find these notes here. Sorry. So, Rodgers has thrown 13 interceptions in 745 attempts over 20 playoff games. That's one interception every 57 passes or so. That's compared to one interception every 77 passes in his career. And since he won the Super Bowl 11 years ago, the Packers are 0-4 in NFC Championship games. Mm. So, when you get to the bigger moments, Aaron Rodgers has more of a tendency to mess up, which is kind of surprising. Now, a lot of things go into that. Obviously, it's team around him. It's it's play calls from your head coach at times Mm -hmm. but it's kind of surprising for a guy who's had so much success and who is as talented as he is that he's had those moments in playoff games so Aaron Rodgers is coming in at number four for me coming in at number three is Patrick Mahomes I know now granted he was pressured the most of any quarterback in Super Bowl history against the Bucks. So this was this wasn't just your average pressure that he freaked out. It was historically high, but he did freak out. He did freak mm-hmm. out. So we're going to put Patrick Mahomes at number 3. Hey, Joe cool. Now, counterintuitive to what I said about Josh Allen, Joe Burrow is coming in at number two for me, and we don't have the body of work here to put him at number two, other than the fact that I have literally, in any scenario, never seen this guy freak out before. It's like Mm -hmm. he has ice in his veins. He is Joe Cool. I don't think that in any scenario we would see him panic. Now, everything might fall apart around him. Again, this is not is this the best quarterback? This is strictly a freak out factor. And I don't know if Joe Burrow is capable of freaking out. And then I'm going with Tom Brady, number one. No one has won more playoff games. He's been in every single scenario. He's a weathered and seasoned veteran quarterback who's been there before. He's never going to freak out. Tom Brady comes in at number one. That is remarkable, too. And I don't disagree with you, by the way. But it is amazing that in his second year that we could put Joe Burrow that high on a list like this, isn't it? 
Yeah, and I'm sure a lot of people think I'm crazy, but I look at what he did at LSU. I look at what he's done with this team this season, and he just seems so relaxed and mentally locked in at all times. And it's crazy to think that I'm putting Joe Burrow in his second season, really his first full season, and at number two, right behind Tom Brady, who's won 35 playoff games, and the next closest guy has 16. I wonder if they're listening in Cincinnati and just thrilled with what you just said. I know they are. I know that we have a really high uh, ratings. From the 513. Yeah, ratings book in, in Cincinnati. They love to stream. Yeah. And that'll be an interesting position for him, too, to be on the road at Tennessee, where their defense has played pretty well. Now, Michelle, one guy that agrees with you is ESPN's Mike Greenberg. To me, the original Joe Cool was Montana. And if you look at the team, uh, Montana, long before there was Jerry Rice, he had really good receivers. He had Roger Craig. That, to me, is a good comparison. I like the comparison of Joe Burrow to Joe Montana more than I do to Brady. Hmm. I'm telling you. I don't know if they're necessarily going to win this game, but I don't think they'll lose it because Joe Burrow isn't prepared for the moment. Here's the thing. Joe Montana played in the Super Bowl in 80... uh, I guess it was the 81 season, and then 84, and then 87, and then 88. And in those four Super Bowls, he never threw an interception. Wow. So that's Joe Cool for you, right? That is what you're talking about, a guy that didn't freak out at all. And I always look at people who played the game, um, and Mike Greenberg is a great example of this too, someone that's obviously watched a lot of football in his day. Mm -hmm. When you hear any NFL analyst talk about Joe Burrow, guys who played the game, that's what they talk about is his composure in the big moment. And so not only do I see it, but I'm going to take what they say and put some credence to that as well. We both have... Tom Brady at number one. We both have Matthew Stafford at number eight. NFL quarterback freakout ratings for the divisional round of the playoffs. Today's big thing on 101 ESPN. Next up, baseball has a lot of issues to overcome, but maybe the biggest one is marketing themselves to young people. If you have a young person in your household, what would you recommend baseball do to get them interested in the sport? If you're a baseball fan and you're trying to get your kid interested, what should baseball do? We're going to ask uh, Xavier Scruggs, former Cardinal, about what he would do next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yesterday, we had former Cardinal Xavier Scruggs on the show, and we talked about marketing the sport of baseball. And that's one of the things, Michelle, that I think that they need to do during this collective bargaining agreement is if they can't come up with a partnership economically, they at least have to come up with a partnership as to how they're going to advance their sport so that it's relevant in 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah, they should be talking about all different ways, creative ways from a media standpoint and from a promotions and or social media standpoint to get some of these young, exciting, talented players way more exposure. That's the only way that you're going to capture a young audience and grow the game is if you get down on their level and find Mm -hmm. out what is entertaining to them. And Michelle asked Xavier yesterday how he would go about trying to market the sports to youngsters. If we can just be able to make sure that we're able to cut out a lot of the slow times within the game, whether that be more of the pitching, uh, going to the mound, whether that be uh, a player calling time a certain amount of times within an at-bat, um, and more of the finding ways to, to, to make sure we have action within the game. So I'd like some of the 
the things that they're talking about when it comes to, I think it's the Atlantic League, making the bases bigger, increasing opportunities to steal bases, um, not not picking over more than two times. Um, some, some of those issues that we can address that allow the game to have a little bit more action, I think those things will help young players and younger generation understand that this is a, a, a good, fast-moving game, but it's naturally it's, it's a slower game. That being said, there does need to be a better pace of play. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about the fact that the powers that be in baseball want a pitch clock. There's a rule in baseball right now that once the pitcher receives the baseball with the bases unoccupied, he's supposed to, according to the rules, throw the next pitch within 12 seconds. It's never in my lifetime been enforced. Pitchers used to do it. But now, because people are throwing 100 miles an hour, they need 40 seconds for their arm to recharge, get back up on the mound, and throw the next 100-mile-an-hour pitch. How about just doing that? How about just enforce the rule in the book and don't allow pitchers to recharge their arm to throw 100 miles an hour so that they're throwing 94, 93, like Greg Maddox did, so that they have to either spot the ball or get hit. Mm -hmm. I think that's one way for baseball to enhance itself. And that is a simple way. If if you just enforce two rules that are already in your book, your strike zone that you have between your armpit and the hollow of your knee and that 12 seconds between pitches, that's going to solve a lot of the problems that you have in people being interested in the sport. I don't know if that is even going to be enough, I think unless you do something drastic, like you shorten the game to seven innings or you shorten the season dramatically, that it's really going to make that much of a, an impact on the Richter scale as it comes to viewership and interest in your game. Because once you get people invested in baseball, it's a great game. People mm-hmm. love baseball once they're in it, right? I think you need to lean into the fact that there are so many games and there it is so long. You need to lean into gambling is what you need to do if you're baseball. Because but is, is that how you pick up an eight-year-old? Well, I don't think that they're going to say, well, because of of these things being enforced, that's why I love baseball. If you're trying to get an eight-year-old, you need to have a Nickelodeon broadcast. If you're trying to get an eight-year-old, you need to get on YouTube. You need to get on TikTok. You need to be doing things that are going to hook an eight-year-old's interest. And then once they're there, they'll love the game. How about this idea from the 618? And I'm going to edit this idea a little bit. The original text is, Teams should send out a player from each team to play MLB The Show on the Jumbotron during rain delays. Kids love video games, and eSports are growing. Well, how about if you're the Cardinals? You don't have to do that, but you have a 7-15 game during the summer, June, July, August, when kids aren't in school. Send Harrison Bader and Paul DeYoung over to Ballpark Village and set up that massive screen at Ballpark Village. And Mm -hmm. every team has a Ballpark Village now. Pretty much everybody does. They at least have an accessible big screen and have a couple of your players do exactly that. Play a video game with kids for an hour at 2 o'clock. And if you're the Cardinals, promote it. Harrison Bader and Paul DeYoung or whoever, Jack Flaherty, they're going to be playing. Kids have to be between the ages of 5 and 15 or 5 and 17. And try to get kids engaged that way and let them know what a young baseball player is all about. And we talk about advancing stars and getting faces of the game, what could be better than having a personal interaction between a youngster and a major league player? All the things we're talking about actually have nothing to do with the game. Right. They have nothing to do with the X's and O's of the game. Randy, when I was growing up, you know how many people fell in love with baseball? Yes, we're in St. Louis, so we're, it's a different conversation. 
kids my age loved Ken Griffey Jr. because he was cool. Mm -hmm. He was the coolest guy. And our exposure to baseball was different because we were watching SportsCenter. You lived and died by SportsCenter. And and the top 10 and the highlights every night now, that's accessible 30 seconds after it happens on your phone. It's totally different. But you need to showcase how cool baseball is and how cool a lot of these players are. And that's how you're going to get young kids to watch the game. You would tune in every night to see what a guy like Ken Griffey Jr. did because he seems so much larger than life and going back to what xavier scruggs said showing off the athleticism of players is going to make a difference no eight-year-old i'm I'm gonna not gonna say no eight-year-old i'm gonna say that this a, a youngster is going to be more visually stimulated by athleticism than by a ball going over a wall if he's watching on tv He'd rather see, I would think, somebody running, somebody jumping, somebody diving than a ball going over a wall. Probably, yes. I I think that there is interest in both, but you're right. The athleticism part is something that's going to get kids to say, wow, that's so cool. I can't do that. Yeah, or I'd like to try doing that. Yes. From the 618, baseball needs more youth leagues in inner cities and suburbs. People are fans of the sports that they played. That's a good way to start it. The Cardinals have done a wonderful job of building fields mm-hmm. in the inner cities. The question is, and we have to, if we're baseball, we have to say what can we do rather than what can't happen. How do you get kids to those fields? You have to provide them equipment. You have to provide mm-hmm. them the ability to play the rules of the game because it's so easy in an inner city or a suburb to have a basketball And whether it's a hoop out in front of your house or whether it's down the street at the nearest school, there is an outdoor basketball hoop and it's a whole lot less expensive to play. And one kid can go out and shoot hoops. Mm -hmm. You need multiple players, multiple kids to go out and play baseball. So you have to find a way to engage those kids to get them to play. And it seems like the sandlot, the pickup game, doesn't really exist anymore because kids aren't really just getting with the neighborhood kids and going out in the backyard anymore. Yeah. From the 618, what's gambling with MLB? Pete Rose got kicked out because of gambling. Mixed message? Well, we we aren't talking about players gambling. Players aren't in any sport allowed to gamble. We know why the NFL is popular, because of gambling. But players to this point haven't been caught gambling. With legalized gambling apparently on its way pretty much in all 50 states pretty Mm -hmm. soon, that is one way. If you want to engage somebody... It must be 21 plus. It must be present in Illinois. Use promo code SMALLS, though, by the way. but you're right, Michelle. People are going to be able to sit at a game or sit and watch a game on TV and bet what's going to happen with the next hitter on an app. It's going to be that simple. Uh, over, under, for the next pitch, 98 miles an hour. Those are going to be bettable, and that's going to draw people in. Gambling, and it, it's not going to be good for society, ultimately, but gambling is going to draw people into sports. Someone from the 314 says, betting is not going to bring in new viewers or fans. It may re-energize some existing fans, but the vast majority of us couldn't care less about betting. I I respectfully disagree, 314. Why does the NFL have so much success? Why are they king? Fantasy football, gambling. There's a reason that gambling is getting legalized everywhere because people are rabid about gambling. Mm -hmm. You say most of us couldn't care less about about gambling or it might re-energize current fans. 
The people that are gambling on the games are the people that you want because they don't even really care about what's happening, but they're locked in. They're watching the game. You want the eyeballs on the game, and if people have more skin in it, even if— how many are you going to watch a Giants Dodgers game that you have no interest in the outcome in? If you're putting a hundred bucks on it, you bet you you bet you you will. And literally, that you literally <laughs> bet it, and that's why baseball. If you're looking at, gosh, our games are so long, or there's, our season is so long, there's so many. Guess who wants that? Mm-hmm. People who are gambling, they want more yeah. opportunities to be able to lay a wager. And I just think that baseball has a great opportunity to get the average sports observer and to watch games that they normally wouldn't because they will be gambling. And once you're past mid-June and you don't have hockey and you don't have basketball and until NFL preseason start games start in August, you've got half of June and July where you own the sports landscape. You can take all of the sports gambling money. And here's Michelle, the, the essence of the problem we're talking about, because we're talking about solutions, how to get baseball better. And you have somebody from the 314 that texts in, do you guys know how ridiculous you sound? That's the problem, is that baseball, when you try to come up with ideas, people don't want to hear ideas. People just want to say, oh, you can't do it. It's terrible. And they think it's ridiculous. Rather than a positive thought, and this isn't just with us today, This is a societal issue, is that right now society is inherently negative. And rather than trying to come up with solutions for a minor problem in the big scheme of things, how to make baseball more popular, people just want to be negative and say, oh, you sound ridiculous, and not have any nuance to a conversation. People that say it's ridiculous are the people that don't understand if you don't evolve, you die. And those are the probably mm-hmm. the people that think there's nothing wrong with baseball and that they have no problems with viewership and that the the younger generation, because it's a great game, they're going to love... No, they don't. Okay? I've watched people mm-hmm. who my age who grew up loving watching baseball couldn't care less about it anymore. They have shifted to the NBA. They have shifted to the NFL. College even is more entertaining now with the playoff because the debate rages on. A lot of people who were once baseball fans as kids, maybe not in St. Louis as much, but trust me when I tell you, outside of our market and our area codes, baseball is not as beloved no. as it was many decades ago. Yep. And we're idea people. We're, we're positive people. We're smiling. We're trying to be happy and trying to make it better. Well, you know what would be a, f- a great first step for baseball? What? Is if they stop this stupid lockout? Yeah, having baseball would be a good step. Yeah, that would be a first having good, a, good idea. Having a sport for people to actually attached to would be a good thing coming up next you're killing me smalls on 101 espn we're right back to the character and smallman podcast presented by dobbs tire and auto centers on 101 espn what's totally killing smalls right now you're killing me smalls you're killing me smalls with michelle smallman on 101 espn we just got a text with a link to an article mm-hmm. from Faith, Hope, and Psychology, and it points out that in a 2005 study regarding research about human thoughts per day, the average person was found to have about twelve to 60,000 thoughts per day. Of those, 80% are negative, and 95% are exactly the same repetitive thoughts as the day before, and about 80% of those are negative. So when we talk about being in a negative society, There are studies that show that that is the case, and it's not just one or two people. It's, 
I guess all of us with negative thoughts. You said that it was 80%. 80% and of our thoughts, 12,000 to, 12, to 60,000 thoughts a day, 80% of those are negative, and 95% of those are repetitive. And this was a study done in 2005. I would love to mm-hmm. see those numbers updated post-political shift, post-pandemic. I guarantee mm-hmm. you it's higher than 80%. I guarantee you as well. We always appreciate links to interesting articles at 65780. We love the data. Yep. All right, it's time for... You're killing me, Small! Well, the hottest name on the NFL coaching landscape, the prospective, excuse me, NFL coaching landscape is, of course, Jim Harbaugh. A lot of people wonder if Stephen Ross might be eyeing Jim Harbaugh after he fired our guy, B-Flow. That wasn't the case. Stephen Ross, a Michigan alum, said, I'm not the one that's going to take him from the Wolverines. That's not going to be my job. But the Raiders might do it. And Bruce Feldman over at The Athletic had a report. He said multiple sources inside Michigan football told The Athletic this week that they think if Jim Harbaugh is offered the Raiders head coaching job, he'd take it. Mark Davis already gave John Gruden a 10-year contract for $100 million. I would have to believe that the firing of Mike Mayock would allow Jim Harbaugh specifically to consolidate power within the organization, which is a big reason that he left the 49ers because he didn't get along with their general manager. And if you allow him to pick the player personnel people and give him a contract, I would think that because of his most recent season and the fact that he's, what, 44 and 19 and been to a Super Bowl in the NFL, I would think that he should make more and get a bigger contract than John Gruden got. I think that would be an interesting fit. And I do think Mm -hmm. if Jim Harbaugh returns to the NFL he's going to have a highly competitive team but man you talk about a division with Herbert and Mm -hmm. the Chargers and Mahomes and the Chiefs and the Broncos had a great defense this year we don't know what they're going to do with their coach or quarterback situation but that could be a really intriguing division in the AFC West here's an interesting snippet from Bruce Feldman's piece at the Athletic he says about the sources inside Michigan football who thinks that Harbaugh could leave for the Raiders job he says they also know that Harbaugh can be hard to read. Their hunches could be wrong, but they also know he's never coached anywhere longer than four years prior to his seven years in running in Ann Arbor, and they believe that at some point he would want to coach in the NFL again. So he probably is keeping his cards close to the vest, but if the people that are with him every day and around him think that he would want to return to the NFL and this could be the right opportunity, I wouldn't be surprised if he takes it. And he just turned 58 years old, so if he goes another couple of years with Michigan, even another year, the NFL seems to be reticent, especially with the advent of Sean McVay and Zach Taylor and Matt LaFleur, to hiring older coaches, Bruce Arians notwithstanding. So I would think that Jim Harbaugh is probably looking at the end of a career at some point and saying, if I'm going to go back to the NFL, I don't want to start rebuilding when I'm 60 or 61 or 62, and I can't be guaranteed that anybody's going to give me the opportunity to do that. And he'd be taking over a playoff team, which would be a benefit, too. Of course. You're killing me, Smalls. Also, if you're Jim Harbaugh, yes, you're in the playoff. Yes, you beat Ohio State. Yes, your team's in a good position. But there is a huge division between getting in the playoff and competing for a national championship. And that is what I think Jim Harbaugh needs to really determine or deduce. Can I actually win a national championship here? It's going to be harder when Alabama's constantly reloading and Georgia as well. So Stetson Bennett, their quarterback that helped lead their team to their first national title since 1980, announced yesterday he's going to return to school. He's going to be back with the dogs for his final year of eligibility. He's a former walk-on and he's going to be a six-year senior. But the news coming out of Athens, Stetson Bennett will return. If you were, in your heart of hearts, a Georgia fan, 
Would you rather have Stetson Bennett or Daniels? The more talented guy is Daniels. True. Bennett just won you a national championship. Also true. I think I'd rather take the more talented guy. I was going to say, if I've already won the title, give me the talent. Yeah. You know, I, I know that he Stetson Bennett can get it done because he's been in that position. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like after the Blues won. Once you finally capture that elusive thing that's been haunting you that you've been chasing, I think mm-hmm. you're a little bit more emboldened to take a risk. Yeah. And by the way, we feel bad here in Missouri because guys go into the transfer portal. Evidently, that's just going to be the case. If you're a quarterback who's not playing, if you are Connor Bazelak or if you're JT Daniels, if you're on the national champions and you aren't playing, you're going to want to leave. And we see it with Casey Thompson leaving Texas. Uh, we, we see it with the quarterback Williams leaving Oklahoma. It's unbelievable how many quarterbacks get out there on the transfer portal. The, the kid from USC that wound up going to Pittsburgh. I guess that's where we are now. If you aren't playing, then you're transferring. You're killing me, Small. So teams that are already out of the NFL playoffs are making some decisions about their personnel heading into next year. And one of the questions surrounding the Philadelphia Eagles was, is Jalen Hurts the guy? Is he going to be the quarterback heading into next season? Well, their GM, Howie Roseman, answered that definitively yesterday. Are you going into this offseason with the mindset that Jalen Hurts is your quarterback in 2022? Yes. I think for us, um, we got to do whatever we can to continue to help him develop. And how do we do that? By surrounding him with really good players. Um, players continue to grow. That's a huge part of developing. Uh, they grow how they are in their second year is not how they're going to be in year four, five, six, and seven. And they're also products of the people around them. So that's on us to continue to build this team. Now, do you believe him? I do. And if I were in Philadelphia's shoes, I would do the same thing. Even though he didn't have a great year, he did get them into the playoffs, granted, in a watered-down NFC. But he does have the skill set of a winning NFL quarterback these days. Does the skill set match what Lamar Jackson is with his ability to run and throw? No, but he's kind of a poor man's Lamar. And if you surround... Jalen Hurts with talent as competitive and smart as he is and with the ability that he has I think that you can be a a playoff team on a regular basis and then what you need to do is try to become what the 49ers were a couple of years ago a team that just runs over people once you get to the playoffs literally runs over people Donovan McNabb was talking about this yesterday and he was saying that look at what you've seen with Jalen Hurts and have some patience mm-hmm. you know let let him develop into the player that he can be it's not going to just happen overnight with with some quarterbacks but I also think it was really smart of Howie Roseman to just put this to bed right now and that there's no even if that's not in his heart of hearts what he is truly thinking even if he's got an trained to what's shifting over the quarterback landscape or he's looking at some certain guys in the draft if you come out right now and say nope he's our guy no further questions it allows you to it allows Jalen Hurts to have the confidence in himself heading into next year and prepare as such and also then you don't have to answer any questions right and think about what they did last year not only trading Carson Wentz but trading a top 10 pick and moving out of that area where they could have gotten one of the premier quarterbacks because of what they had seen already from Jalen Hurts they have evaluated him already and he's got he can throw I I like Jalen Hurts a lot I do too
You're killing me, Smalls. And he's the first guy to help pick up fans when they fall from right. barriers breaking, yeah. right? Um, we talked last segment about how baseball can reach a younger audience, how they can capture the kids' attention. Well, they might want to pick up the phone and call the NFL and or call Nickelodeon because CBS and Nickel- Nickelodeon, they had that presentation of the 49ers-Cowboys game this past Sunday. They released these numbers. It was scored as the most-watched NFL wildcard game on any network in seven years. It averaged 41.496 million viewers, and it peaked with more than 50 million viewers for the game's conclusion. And with that knowledge, armed with that knowledge, you're Major League Baseball, and you already do your Little League Sunday night game. How is that not covered wall-to-wall by the Disney Channel? You, you absolutely should do if, it. If you have it on ESPN and ESPN has access to the Disney Channel, you spend a weekend going wall-to-wall and you show a, a Little League game and you do everything you can to get your Disney stars there. Are you going to do things as fun as slime? No, but you, you don't have that, but you use every avenue you have to try to attract kids that way. You know, when I was up in Bristol, Randy, word on the street is Mickey, big company man. Okay. There you go. Mickey loves to manage up. Mickey will absolutely do whatever it is need be. I'm assuming Minnie's down too, partner in crime. Mm-hmm. You could get Goofy in the mix. Those guys know what they need to do. Yeah, that's a good play. And girls. Yeah. I, I like the that idea a lot. I I would watch it myself and I don't even have young kids. Really? I would, yeah, just to see what's going on over there. Just because the you're Disney curious? Channel. Yeah. And by the way, CBS paid an extra $70 million to get that time slot so that they could show that game on Nickelodeon. And it clearly worked out because how much did they get with advertising revenue and... And those ratings for the future? Ridiculous. Going to clean up. Absolutely. Thanks, Michelle. You're welcome. Coming up, we like a good dumpster fire here at Character (laughs) and Smallman. We're going to tell you about one that's really blazing right now. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. We will remind you that whatever you heard today on the show, you can hear on our Character and Smallman podcast at 101ESPN.com or on the app. And that's brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Center. John Kelly, Jeremy Rutherford, Greg Amzinger, they were all great. Tomorrow at 7.30 a.m., Adam Wainwright is going to join us. We haven't spoken to Waino since the season ended, so we're looking forward to that. Looking forward to chatting with him about his big victory. That's right, the Dogs, national champs. I'm sure he's still reveling in that. Very impressive. So looking forward to hearing from Adam Wainwright tomorrow. He's got some stuff coming up, but he just loves talking sports, so that's going to be fun. Michelle, we love talking sports here, and we mentioned before the break the dumpster fire, and that is a dumpster fire in L.A. Unfortunately, it's not with the Rams. Oh, we're not talking about the pipe bursting at their brand-new multi-billion That's dollar stadium? This isn't the dumpster, dumpster fire? fire. Yeah, the, the okay. sewage overflowing right. in luxury suites at SoFi Stadium. No, this is the L.A. Lakers. Oh, that dumpster fire. Yes. Last night... Their big offseason acquisition, Russell Westbrook, was benched with 3.52 left in the game. The Lakers wound up losing the game. Westbrook was 5 for 17 from the field when Frank Vogel, their coach, put in Malik Monk. We talked yesterday about how Frank Vogel, every single game, is coaching for his career Mm -hmm. as the Lakers head coach. Now, Pacers are saying 
that Vogel and his staff should do whatever they see fit to try to win games. Quote, you got to do what you got to do. Who's saying that? You said the Pacers? Uh, no, this is the Lakers, Michelle. Oh, this is okay. I just people make within sure. the Lakers that are saying to former Pacers coach Frank, Frank Vogel, who won a championship a couple of years ago with the Lakers, they're telling him, you got to do what you got to do. And if that includes benching Russell Westbrook, that's the case. The team is under 500. They are an abject disaster. And a lot of the guys that helped them win a couple of years ago are now playing for New Orleans, where they made the trade for Anthony Davis, or they're playing for teams other than the Lakers because they had to clear cap space mm -hmm. for said Russell Westbrook. And by the way, Anthony Davis isn't playing either, yes. which doesn't help their chances of winning on a nightly basis. Yeah, you, you would think that someone wouldn't be coaching for their job game in and game out when one of the, the main reasons that you're going to win isn't there. I would think that, mm -hmm. that would be taken into consideration. But Randy, I always love to read an article, especially with someone who's a great reporter like Dave McMenamin, and decipher things and try, mm -hmm. to, try to figure out the little nuggets that that reporter has gotten and that is trying to weave in there. And so I thought that this was very telling. So I'm going to read the paragraph here. It says, apart from his offensive struggles, and again, this is ESPN.com, Dave McMenamin, Westbrook failed to execute on the defensive end. The final straw was pushing the staff to honor their instinct to bench him was when Karis LeVert blew by Westbrook on defense for a layup with seven minutes, 13 seconds remaining. The coaching staff had repeatedly emphasized the scouting report to take away LeVert's right hand and Westbrook guarding LeVert at the top of the key one-on-one -on -one, didn't angle himself properly to thwart the drive and allowed him easy access to the paint in route to the hoop that is such vivid detail about the scouting report about the exact play that led to the benching uh, about the conversations that took place someone very high up on the inside is telling dave mm -hmm. mcmenamin exactly why this is happening and to me when someone is giving you exact evidence as to why a decision is getting made that tells you about the chaos behind the scenes and when things like that are getting fed to a reporter in such great detail to make the case as to why you're doing something that tells me that that people that shouldn't be talking are talking and even anthony davis uh, or I'm, I'm sorry carmelo anthony said it's just something that russ has got to then he stopped and said we got to help him figure it out well how do you help Russ, Russell Westbrook figure it out. This is what he is. We knew this when they got him from Washington. This is one of the reasons that in the last four years he's played for Oklahoma City and then Houston and then Washington and now the Lakers. Four teams in four years. It's because of that that he's a member of the Lakers right now and his contract is almost unoffloadable. It was shocking that the Lakers took the contract and for those that are fans of or not fans of the Lakers that don't like the Lakers for whatever reason, they're reveling in this today. What do I always say, Randy? When someone shows you who they are, mm -hmm. believe them. Russell Westbrook has shown us who he is we know at exactly every is. single destination. We know exactly who he is. So to think that he would be any different was a major mis misjudgment of what we know to be true about Russ from the Lakers. But... 
I know in reading about this that they were worried about pulling him from games because they're afraid it's going to impact his psyche. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of guys, especially big stars, there is an ego, a, a balancing of ego and a fragility there sometimes with guys. But you have to do what's best for your team. And if you don't think Russell Westbrook is putting you in the best position to win games and repeatedly you're telling him this is the scouting report and this is what you need to do to execute and it's not happening, they've got to do, as, as the report says, they've got to do what they've got to do. And Michelle, the interesting thing about this is that with the current cast of characters in LA, it's not going to get any better. They're old, they're slow, they really don't really, aside from LeBron, and AD again is hurt, the, those veteran guys have never been super committed defensively. Carmelo Anthony has never been considered a defensive player of the year candidate. Westbrook is not really committed defensively. Their best player, aside from LeBron, is Malik Monk, who's just finding his way in the NBA. It's very fun to watch. It is. And it's good for the NBA to it have is. all of this it drama is. with the Lakers. Yeah. And you know what else it does? Even in a playoff week, what are they talking about on LA Sports Talk Radio today? Well, they were talking about the Lakers anyway. Even but if now, there wasn't this drama, they're always talking Lakers then. Yeah. So you, the, the Rams are going to get no love at all heading into a playoff game. It's going to be great. You love that. I really do. Uh, great job today by everybody here. Thanks to uh, our producer engineer, Grant Fisher. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Always a pleasure. And Michelle, this was fun. Thank you. It was, Randy. I'll see you tomorrow for TGIF. Oh, yeah. It's Friday. For everybody, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.